Rogers Show on 560 WQAM. Hello? Okay, let me ask you this question. Why are you playing music? Are you not hearing me? Because uh, you weren't on. No, we weren't hearing you in the beginning. How is that possible? I don't want to say why. I messed up. Why not? Inquiring minds want to know. It's called I messed up. Should I just start over again? Are we, I mean, yes, why please. do we have to go through this? We sit and talk for an hour and a half before the show starts every goddamn morning. And then all of a sudden, like at two minutes before the uh, top of the hour, somebody screws things up in there. I don't want to mention who it might be today, but who is it? It's me, Robert. Not the beast, is it? Nope. It's Robert. Oh, Robert. Well, that's because he didn't like our pull on Bush. No, that's me. I filled my tank up. How was I to know I'd be helping finance 9-11 by giving money to Unical or Abaco and the Carlisle Group? I turned my lights on last night. How was I to know I was paying James Baker's green fees? I made two do today. How was I to know I was providing bathwater to the Middle East? Well, that ain't so bad, I guess. Every time you light a marijuana cigarette, you're helping to finance Romulan overlords and breaking a law based on the old movie Reefer Madness. Marijuana is the scourge of all mankind. I just smoked a reefer joint. Now I'm quite mad, you know. For now, I will jump out this window. This message paid for by the Committee to Keep America in the Dark Ages. And boy, they're doing a good job, I'll tell you that. So let me ask you, do you hear me now? Everything okay? Yeah, we hear you fine. Sounds wonderful. Okay. Good. That's good. This is getting pretty embarrassing, you know. Yeah. And it's always on that end. Is it ever on this end? No. Always on that end down there, which is one of the many, many reasons, far too lengthy to a document here in this short period of time, like four hours, why I'm glad that I'm not there. The home of incompetence and ineptitude. Just like yesterday, we got a blockhead. See, this is the problem when you put a bunch of ex-jocks on here who pretend to be broadcasters. I don't want to pick on blockhead Joe Rose, but the fact is that this guy, he, how long has he been, was he at QAM before they finally, uh, you know, before he finally departed, one way or the other? I don't About know. nine years, something like that? Last I time know. I heard, huh? I don't know. I think it was at least nine years. And this guy doesn't know a program log from, uh, from uh, Mr. Whipple. He doesn't know what the hell a program log looks like. And this is the deal. you got a bunch of ex-jocks who don't know how to turn on a microphone who wouldn't know what the hell a goddamn log looks like if you stuck one up their ass. And that's why we had all that, uh, although it was very exciting radio yesterday. I thought it was fun. It was uh, great. We had a pretty good time. The good news is the black sack showed up today. Oh! That's good news. So everybody's got their free food. That's the most important part. As long as they keep getting the free food, they're happy, especially George. Yep. 996 votes, 966 votes on the poll yesterday. How do you rate the job that President Bush and his administration are doing? He's a bozo and disaster, 422. That's 43.6%. Okay, he's doing okay, 184, 19%. Excellent, 159. I think Robert voted 50 times on that. 16.4%, which is very scary to me, by the way. Fair, 134, 13.8%. And poor, 67, 6.9%. But when you consider it's our ultra-liberal audience, 
He really didn't do that bad. Because you got to understand that during times like these, it's just not fashionable to criticize the president and his colleagues, his cohorts, his partners in crime. Just like this dog and pony show they put on yesterday. We'll get to uh, that scumbag, that uh, Puerto Rican guy is what George says. Who? Jose Padilla. We'll get to him momentarily. We got bigger fish to fry first. Well, I mean, they arrested him on the 8th of May. You don't think it was just like coincidence after all this heat coming down on the FBI and the CIA and all these embarrassments that Ashcroft just decided to make this announcement from Russia, no less, yesterday? They, they arrested him on the 8th of May. And then last night on the CBS Evening News, they're saying, well, uh, maybe it wasn't a uh, suitcase bomb. Maybe it wasn't a dirty bomb. Uh, well, you know. But it's a dog and pony show. And, of course, the majority of the people, being the lemmings that they are out there, just waiting to be led by the nose. Oh, look at this. Hooray! We got it. We got a bad one. We got an evildoer. Let's hear it. And, of course, there's always that South Florida connection, you notice. Every every scumbag that comes down the pike, even if they arrest him like in Japan somewhere, no matter where they find a scumbag, there's always a South Florida connection. Speaking of scumbags, let's talk about Pete Bolger momentarily if we can. No, that's me. Got candid to IODINZ. Clear Channel continues doing it. The brilliant Barry Jackass writes in a Herald this morning. Phil Latzman fired for criticizing shows. I'm going to tell you something, Pete Bolger. I, I would call you scum, but that would be an insult to all the scum on the face of the earth. Whatever, whatever is about 20 steps lower than scum, that's what you and your cohorts at Cheap Channel are, Petey Bolger. You little tiny scumbag you. Clear Channel, and, that, and the reason I'm using that term is because there's nothing else I can use on the ear. How about Schmidthead? Okay. In fact, uh, when somebody's got a wild bout of messy diarrhea, that's Pete Bolger, what you find in the bowl. That's exactly what you find. Pure, unadulterated Schmidt. That's him. Clear Channel community, not that I'm such a big Phil Latsman fan, even though he's listening right now and he's a big groupie of the show. He's, he's okay. He never stole a freight train. He's all right. He's kind of weak. No, actually, he's a pretty good guy. Clear Channel Communications on Monday fired WYOD, WYNZ sportscaster Phil Latzman, who blasted his former employee as a classless place not committed to doing good radio. Well, that's <laughs> the understatement of the century. Latzman said program director Pete the Assassin Bolger said he was dropped because he criticized other programming on a station. Well, he sure got some nerve, don't he, that criticizing other programming on that station? Latzman, 33, said several months ago he referred to WYNZ's pre-NASCAR program, The Racing Nuts, as the illiteracy hour and advised listeners to go down to the nearest trailer park for a translation. I think that's a panic. I think that's great. In fact, any with I'm not going to apologize to Joe Costello because he just got bad taste. The fact of the matter is that's true. NASCAR's for rednecks. That whole thing. Trailer trash and then some. Jason Salatkin will take over for Latsman on WYNZ. I don't know why I'm spending all this time on this, because nobody listens to that station anyway. they got fractions. Jason Salatkin will take over for Latsman on WYNZ, 6 to 7 p.m. weeknight sports talk show, and could get the job permanently. Latsman also had been WYOD's heat pregame show, uh, Doer. Yeah, it says Latsman also had been WYOD's heat pregame show. <laughs> nice going there, Barry, you illiterate little whacker, you turd. Clear Channel doesn't care about quality programming, Latsman said. They were looking for an excuse to get rid of me because I made too much money. After 10 years there, I got only two weeks severance pay. Latsman, married with two kids, said he'll seek another job in the market, says Barry Jackass. So, you know, the beat goes on. Latsman. Gets canned, gets dumped unceremoniously at IODINZ because he was making more than five bucks an hour. You know, yesterday, right toward the end of the show, I was the very last story that I did. 
was a story about Peter Gotti, and it mentioned it like John Gotti. And I'm watching TV a little bit later on yesterday afternoon, and guess who died? John well, Gotti. John Gotti, the Godfather. He died? He died. The Gotti father? So don't let me forget, right before the end of the show today, uh, for me to talk about Pete Bolger. <laughs> what are you laughing about? I'm. Hey, you don't mess with this kid, okay? How many times have I done that? Talked about somebody, and all of a sudden, bada-bing! But a bing don't see them no more, just like Polly and the Godfather. Mother's scratching idiot Pete Bolger. How many lives? You couldn't count on your fingers and toes. All the lives that that son of a bitch has ruined in that market. Just just pathetic. And, of course, he continues to be there because he's delighted to be the assassin. I think he takes joy in it now. You know what his favorite song is, don't you? Petey Bolger. I get that. Yeah, that's his theme song, Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire. Well, I could, I'm not going to get sidetracked with it. Go back to those Paxson days, all the stories, the bull crap. Speaking of very important people in broadcasting, this is probably the most important, a little more important than Phil Lanceman. In the Herald this morning, so it must be, uh, un aplauso por favor. Did I say that right? Were you speaking Portuguese? Aplauso. Isn't that oh, how okay. you say it? Sure, whatever. You don't say, as ringleader of the, shut up. As ringleader of the relentlessly zany variety show Sabado Gigante, host Mario Kreitzberger, did you know that was his real name? I knew he was Jewish. Better known by his legendary stage name, Don Francisco, has voiced his sonorous demand to his audience for four decades. Applause, please. Un applauso, por favor. On Monday, it was a subdued and humble Don Francisco who sat at Bongo's Cuban Cafe to celebrate the launching of a special issue, People in Espanol, celebrating his 40th year on the air. Let's hear it! Oh! 40 years on the air for that Jew boy, for that despic, whatever he is, Juban. In this business, you don't quit, said Kreitzberger, whose telegenic career has earned him uh, his show a spot in the Guinness Book of World Records as the longest continuously running program in television history. I bet you didn't know that. I had no idea, and I think he's Chilean. And you know what? That's not right either, because Hockey Night in Canada has been on longer than 40 years. But, hey, what does Guinness know? How they don't know from their hockey? They're like Mo. They don't know their hockey. In this business, you get retired by people or by ratings, he says. Luckily, Kreitzberger's had plenty of admirers. About 100 million of them worldwide tune into the weekly Sabado Gigante or Giant Saturday on Univision because they want to see a bunch of hot, naked people, basically. This is the first time people in Espanol, an offshoot of the English language magazine, issued a special edition. The staff found ample inspiration in the famously ebullient Don Francisco, who allowed the magazine access to his archives, his family, even his wardrobe. And it goes on at great length, much, much too long for me. Anyway, WTVJ NBC anchor, uh, NBC6 uh, anchor Jackie Nesbrall and Lil Estefan, co-host of Univision Entertainment show El Gordo y La Flaca, got their start at Don Francisco's side. And what a sad commentary that is. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy, but if he's responsible for Jackie Nesbrall, well, nobody's perfect. He's like my father, my TV father, said Rachel Diaz, a model on the show, the son of German-Jewish immigrants. Oi! Kreitzberger began to program in 1962 in his native Chile. Bringing it to Miami in 1986, it was initially a hard sell. We couldn't get advertisers, said Kreitzberger, received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame last year. We went to one big department store, and this man says, Spanish television, your viewers are our shoplifters, but we proved him wrong. <laughs> that's a, great, that's a line. great line. So anyway, Guinness Book of Records is wrong because he's been on the air for 40 years. Hockey Night in Canada has been on the air for, I think, 50 years. In fact, it is 50 years because they're celebrating 50 years last night. How about those Red Wings last night? Huh? Pretty boring. Oh, man, get that over with already. It's already the 11th of freaking June. Get the hockey over with already. God. Let Carolina go home with a, you know, their banjo between their legs. A nice job. Good, you know, boring, but get it over with. 
12 minutes after 9. We apologize for our crappy start this morning, but, but Robert's sabotaging the show probably because Mo put him up to it. Just a joke, Mo. Just relax, okay? Don't get all uptight and squirrely, all right? Just calm down. And why does he take it out on the rest of the station, too? we got Mad Dog at 1 and Hank at 3 and even Fat Josh Friedman at 7 and Marlon Baseball. You know, if you don't want to promote me, at least promote the other guys, you idiot, you clown. You know, summertime is another one of those hot, sulfur days today. Yeah. Was that a difficult question? Why, why do uh, How come it is I feel like I'm out of sync with whatever's going on there or not? It's because it's of the start. Oh, threw us off, and we're never going to uh, re- we'll recover. Just calm down. Oleomed's a product that will make you feel your best and keep you in good health no matter how hot and humid it gets in sultry South Florida. Oleomed's a soft gel capsule that contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil along with a lot of good stuff. Vitamins are in there, minerals and herbals, too, to promote health for all different aspects of your body. There's a product to help your prostate, one for your heart, one for your blood pressure, and even one for your cholesterol. Oleomed's got supplements to promote health in your circulatory system, your digestive endocrine system, your skin and bones, even your mind, such as it is, all using the benefits of the best olive oil on this planet. And don't forget, Oleomed's got products for men and ladies as well. Oleomed's available all over town, so pick some up now. Walgreens carries it, Whole Food Markets, Navarro Pharmacy, and Sedano's, too. Oleomed is a stupendous, exciting new product. People are grabbing it everywhere they can find it. And the uh, Oleomed, too. If you want to get more information about it, just call them toll-free. They'll answer all your questions. Call 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-O-L-E-O-M-E-D. Order their products off their website. If you prefer, it's easy. Just log on to oleomedamerica.com. Neil Rogers got. Tonight on CBS, Survivor bombed out last season. So in a continuing effort to save on production costs with reality shows, CBS brings you Palestinian Ass Eating with Casey Kasem. The rivalry ensues between Ahmed and Abadabadoo. Descend! I cannot take this sand! If you win, you can buy me six baths. And the countdown continues. Ahmed is up to $500 in the standing time count. Now, if he can beat the current record, he gets the grand prize. Tell him all about it, Kenny. It's a one-way ticket to paradise, where you'll stay permanently at Allah's Paradise Hotel. Now with cable TV and impress 17 festival virgins with your new Pontiac Aztec. Courtesy of the Saudi royal family, America's most trusted and valued friend. Back to you, Casey. Don't stop now, Ahmed. You only have three minutes left. Tongue tastes like American penny. How long will Ahmed rule Abadaba do? Find out tonight on Palestinian Ass Eating, only on CBS. 918 at 560 WQM. Kind of a rough start here this morning, wouldn't you say? Uh-huh. But we'll make it. We'll make it through to 1 o'clock. Now, our poll, uh, Eric, who's getting a little bit pushy this morning. Bunch of questions. Bunch of questions. Bunch of questions. Yeah, see, George and I worked feverishly to put this all together. This is the first in an uh, installment in many. I Didn't I talk about that yesterday, I believe? Yes, you did. Because there are so many one-hit wonders that you can't do it all in one day. And then Eric not only has got what's the question, but then he also had like uh, some other suggestions on there. We'll get to those, okay, Mr. Hotshot, Mr. Music Expert. We'll get to them. But just to cool your jets, okay, the question is, and, and it's already up there because uh, George faxed it to him a long time ago, hours ago, probably about three this morning. Well, I faxed him the list, but I didn't know the question, how we're wording it. Well, the question is, I'm going to give it to him right now, for Christ's sake. What's the question? The question is, which of these one-hit wonders was the best? 
pretty simple and uncomplicated about that, is there? Uh, I'm not sure I understand that question. Yeah, pretty complicated, pretty complex. Which of these one-hit wonders was the best? And I had some on the list that I, uh, I don't know where the hell I got them off some of these other lists, but I looked in my billboard book. I couldn't find a one-hit wonder billboard book, I'm very sorry, at the world's largest bookstore on Edward Street. Couldn't find it. Sorry. But I did look in my book to verify we had some on there that were not uh, one-hit wonders. Like the five-man electrical band, for example. Signs. Great song, but they had a couple of other. What was that other one? I forgot. I did too, but I'm not going to bend down and get to, I don't want to bend down too much. Please don't. Get a little bit Rectum. dangerous. And then there's the list. You go to our website. I'm, a little later, I'll read the whole thing for you, just in case you're uh, not your, your computer right now and you want to get motivated. And, yes, there are many more. And this, like I said, it's the first in a series. I don't know when we'll do the next moment. Maybe we'll do it again tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe we'll do it a week from a circus. Whatever the hell I feel like it. How do you like that, huh? That's when we'll do it, Eric. When the mood strikes me. Like tomorrow. See, and this really shocks me is because I didn't put this on there. Did I put it on there? Oh, I did put it on there. It's the second. <laughs> well, the reason I put it on there is because I could only find two, two CDs. Yeah. Well, I didn't have a lot of time to scour. You know, I'll, I'll, today I'll scour all the record stores downtown, but I only found two one-hit wonder CDs. So I, I had to put some of the stuff on there. For example, I wouldn't. Uh, I mean, personally, I wouldn't vote for this myself. <laughs> but since we had now we had that comedy bit on it, right? Right. Right. And I love those, by the way. Who don't like taco, bell, or schmacko? If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Did he say sits? Yeah, he said Schmitz. But anyway, see, John Sebastian had a lot of hits with Love and Spoonful, but this was a medley of his one hit by himself. Welcome back. Your dreams were your and you didn't even know that. You didn't know that was John Sebastian, did you? No. Well, I forgot. I knew it before. And, then I, and I bet it. you most of our music experts in the audience didn't know that was John Sebastian. The great John Sebastian either because it was such a crappy TV show. Good theme, but the, you see, the theme always annoyed me because I associated it with that show. It was a good theme. Wasn't it? I didn't like it. You didn't like that? Sorry. No. Oh, yeah. It was kind of dippy. But now that I know that's John Sebastian, I view it with a whole, I listen to it with a whole different altitude. See? Even, even that dippy start, I like it. Anyway, we'll get to the list and all that stuff. Just calm down, Eric. You can go ahead and put it up there. We gave it a list hours ahead of time today, and you're making it very complex. Which of these one-hit wonders was the best? And this is just the first installment. There are probably like about 5,000 one-hit wonders, wouldn't you think? At least. Since we didn't put any like time limitation on this. In fact, the one sheet that somebody faxed me was just 1970 alone, of which we took many of them and uh, stuck them on here today. Just one year of like the last 52 years, for example, since 50. Anyway, CBS News, we better get to our your good, close, personal friend. What's his name? What's his name? Jose Padilla. Oh, yeah, my buddy. One of your people. Well, not bomber. necessarily. Not in your close, immediate family, but he's like, uh, just like, what's his name over there? Don Francisco is one of my people. I'll take Don Francisco over Jose Padilla any day. But anyway, U.S. officials are backing away from assertions that the man arrested last month in Chicago. Last month was plotting a dirty bomb attack on the U.S., according to uh, CBS correspondent Jim Stewart. You know that twerpy little Jim Stewart on CBS? No. Basically, he says uh, they lied. U.S. officials now admit they're not sure what American-born Abdullah al-Muhajir's plans were when he returned to the U.S. last month. And any plot, including possibly exploding a radiation bomb in Washington, D.C., was in the initial planning stages, but given what he trained for in Afghanistan, they'd expected the worst. In other words, they didn't know what the hell was going on. 
He researched nuclear weapons and received training in wiring explosive while in Pakistan and was instructed to return to the West to conduct reconnaissance operations for al-Qaeda, said Deputy Defense Secretary Paul Wolfowitz. Investigators had known a muhajir for some time, including his alias. Much of their information about him came from Abu Zubaydah, al-Qaeda's top surviving operations officer, until his capture last March, who tipped them off to muhajir's American mission. He had indicated some knowledge of Washington, D.C., but I want to emphasize again that there was not an actual plan we stopped this man in the initial planning stages, said Wolfowitz. That was echoed by FBI Director Robert Mueller, who also said the plan to explode a dirty bomb had not gotten past the planning stages. But don't let that stop the media, because right away, as soon as this story broke, as soon as they announced they had made the arrest, even though it was over a month before, uh, the media starts going on about dirty bombs and ba-ba-ba-ba-ba and radiation and run for the hills and hide under the table. Muhajir, born in New York as Jose Padilla, was detained by the FBI in Chicago over a month ago when he flew in from Pakistan on May the 8th. Yesterday, the last time I checked, was June the 10th, more than a month later. U.S. Attorney General John Ascroft, speaking in Moscow where he was meeting with Russian officials, announced the arrest yesterday. We've disrupted an unfolding terrorist plot to attack the U.S. by exploding a radioactive dirty bomb, Ascroft said. The Attorney General said the government had multiple independent and corroborating sources that El Al-Mujahajir was closely associated with Al-Qaeda and was involved in planning future terrorist attacks on innocent American civilians in the U.S. I'm not poo-pooing the fact that they got him. Now just cut his legs off and put him in a broom closet somewhere, and, uh, you know, so we'll be safe. But it's a part of the whole dog and pony show that just never ends because they got to cover their ass now. they got to make it look like they have some idea what's going on, which, of course, they don't. Then there's the Broward Connection, which we'll get to from the Sun Sentinel. Did you read that? Of course not. No. Somebody read it to you? You will. I will. But before that, CNN.com says it's the chaos, not the chemicals, that likely would cause the most harm should a dirty bomb explode, experts say. Heart attacks, not radiation poisoning, might claim more victims. So what we're trying to say is, in spite of the arrest, everybody, don't don't panic. That's what we're trying to say. Don't get all bent out of shape in spite of the media trying to get you all whipped up into a hysterical frenzy. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't get all bent out of shape. There is no goddamn dirty bomb. People within a half-mile radius of even a particularly potent dirty bomb would be exposed to less than the average dose of radiation a person receives naturally within a year, according to the American Institute of Physics website. Oh, there's nothing like a good physics. That's what my mother says. Most people who work in radiation environments annually receive ten times the exposure of a person within a half-mile of a dirty bomb, the site says. Stress and fear-induced heart attacks are more likely to cause death after a dirty bomb explosion than the radioactive material. But let me stress again, as far as we know, there is no dirty bomb. There's a dirty right. rat, but there is no dirty bomb. We should emphasize that, unlike the rest of the media, they're exploiting this like crazy. It said it's the ignorance of the actual threat that produces the most harm. People may mistakenly envision a small-scale version of the nuclear devastation experience at Hiroshima, Japan, but the radioactive material in dirty bombs would not likely cause any more harm than that of the explosion itself. According to the Council on Foreign Relations, the size of the explosive device would dictate the extent of any death toll. Follow that? I got it. In other words, not something really nice, but not anything to get all hysterical about. But the media wants people to get hysterical because then they'll watch. And it's good for ratings, and that's good for business. And that's what the whole world is about, about business. 927 at 560 WQM. Speaking of business, here's a simple question for you. If somebody offered to give you, just hand over to you several thousand dollars over the next few years, would you take it? Yes. It would be a little stupid not to do it, which makes it really foolish to pass up a chance to refinance or buy a home at just 3.95%. Here's the deal. There's a Fannie Mae program available at 3.95% for both refinancing and purchasing of homes. Think about it. Just 3.95%. And all you have to do is call Financial Group at their toll-free number, 1-800-940-5363. 
To be more specific, you can get yourself a hundred grand with payments of only four hundred and seventy-five bucks a month, or get you two hundred grand with payments of only nine hundred and fifty dollars a month. You'll save yourself a crapload of money. So it'd be downright stupid to pass up a chance like that. Do the math and do the next smart thing. Get the details by calling Financial Group toll free. It's one eight hundred nine four zero lend. That's one eight hundred nine four zero fifty three sixty three. They're an equal housing lender. Credit restrictions do apply, and rates are sub. Like they're my national league team now. Weeknights at 10 on Sports Radio 33 at 5.60 WQAM. Now, we didn't put that on the list, did we? The Divinals? No. Uh, we did not put them on the list. Good. Although I do notice one that's getting a lot of votes here. The poll is up, by the way, even though I haven't read the uh, names on the list. And keep in mind, this doesn't mean it's the best one of all time. Just which one of these do you like best out of this particular list? They get so bent out of shape about this stuff, you know, as though this is important. It isn't. Second place already, Soft Cell. This is probably Scrooge's favorite. 
tainted love. Oh, he stepped all over it. Too, right? You see what's number one on here so far? Norman Greenbaum. Norman Greenbaum. That's because they figure he's Jewish, Oy. so he can't be all bad. He's not Jewish. Well, he was Jewish once upon a time. Did he become like some kind of a born-again nut? I, I don't know anything about him. Well, let's look it up in a book, okay, Mr. Smarty they Pants? They got that Mr. kind of stuff in there? Huh? Let's say he became a born-again nut? They have a little blurb on every artist in here. Don't you understand that? They, Norman Greenbaum, now doesn't say anything. Born 11-20-42 in Malden, Mass. Pop rock singer and song. I guess not. Spirit in the Sky reached number three uh, March 7, 1970 is when it first hit the charts. It's leading our leading the way. Which of these one-hit wonders is the was the best? And unfortunately, like I said, I don't have a lot of stuff that anybody would ever want to hear again. Let me see if there's anything on this one really bizarre. Well, I guess I guess somebody might know this one. You seem to know it that I played this morning before the show. <laughs> Mr. Big. What? Okay. To be with you. Didn't you know that one? Hold on, little girl. Oh yeah. Show me what he's done to you. Uh, yeah. Well, we can see why he was a one-hit wonder. Anyway, here's the list. Taco putting on the Ritz. John Sebastian, welcome back, Cotter. EMF, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Soft Cell, Tainted Love. Frida Payne, Band of Gold. See, there are a lot of them that we have that are down there, but you're never going to find them. Nope. And I'll have to go out today and spend about, you know, six, seven hundred bucks on, on music. And then that, then that segment of the audience that hates when we do this, oh, we don't want to hear music. If we want to hear music, we'd look, we'd be listening to magic. Blues Image, Rod Captain Rod. Well, that's a good one. Yep. We Five, You Were On My Mind. Electric Prunes, I Had Too Much to Dream. Shadows of Night, Gloria. This is a good list. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky. Shocking Blue and Venus. Marmalade, Reflections of My Life. Wow. Edison Lighthouse, Love Grows Where My Rosemary Goes. Mountain, Mississippi Queen. White Plains, My Baby Loves Love. Alive and kicking, tighter and tighter. Ardine Taylor, Indiana wants me. I love the sirens on that. Don't you love when the yeah. sirens start? Free, all right now. I would have voted for that, but I played it so much when I was on Zeta, I want to puke if I ever hear it again. Great song. I don't want to hear it again. I agree with you. I almost voted for it, and then I, now they destroyed it. Question mark and the Mysterians, which I thought they were from Saginaw, Michigan. I would have sworn that, but my billboard book says a, a Texas group. I'd bet, I'd bet them a lot of your money that they're from Saginaw, Michigan. Question mark. 96 Tears was the name of their medley of their hit. Amboy Duke's Journey to the Center of uh, the Mind. Boy, that was great. That was a uh, one of the first, like, psychedelic, uh, you know. Yep, acid tripping. Now, don't start with the drug stuff, would you please? You He's started always it. peddling drugs. Argent, hold your head up. Or hold this head up. David Essex, Rock On. The Five Stair Steps, Ooh Child. That's with a D on the end. You'd think it would be like Ooh Child. Like Honey Child by Martha and the Vandellas. Do you know that? What was the, what was that on the backside of Honey Child? <laughs> Sorry. No, I th I think that well, Fats Domino did the original one. I think it was on the flip side of Blueberry Hill. Uh, Boca Brian would know, or somebody who knows something He'll about call. music. I bet you that Honey Child was on the flip side of uh, Blueberry Hill by Fats Domino, and then uh, they done it. Martha and the Vandellas done Honey Child. It was great. I wish I had it. Human beings, nobody but me. Looking Glass, Brandy. Steam, and the actual title is Na Na Hey Hey Kiss Him Goodbye. We had, we had a little confusion about how many Na Na's there were in that. Only two. Na Na Hey Hey Kiss Him Goodbye, Steam. Strawberry Alarm Clock, Incense and Peppermints. See, this, there this you list go. Is, this list is awesome, you know it? Zager and Evans in the year 2525. Paper Lace, The Night Chicago Died, which I could live without that. Randy and the Rainbows, Denise. Potvan. 
Friend and lover, reach out of the darkness. Oh, I have that here, but it's not on that disc. I'll get to the other one. Uh, Keith, 98.6. Oh, I don't want to hear him anymore. The uh, Proclaimers, I'm going to be 500 miles, in parentheses. Now, what did we find out that was from some Johnny Depp movie? It was in a Johnny Depp movie, and it's uh, relatively recent. Uh, and they were from Scotland, and nobody will hear from Benny them again. And really? Yeah. And Robert likes it a lot. Well, there it is. It's on the list. Charlie Pride kissing Angel Good Morning. <laughs> now, I don't start sniggering on that. <gasps> what? Charlie Pride kissing Angel Good Morning. Now, I guess you know what I'm going to have to play after the break, don't you? No. Well, you know something? If you would have held a gun to my head, I couldn't have told you what the original song was off that bit that Boca Brian does. You, you lie. No, I, I did not know what it was. Okay, when, when's the last time you heard Kiss an Angel Good Morning by Charlie Pride? Day before yesterday. I bet you it was a coon's age ago. It was so long. And then two great ones to round out today's list, the Mystics and Hushabye. That got my vote. And the monotones in Book of Love. Boy, I, this is an awesome list, if I do say so myself. And this is just the first uh, group, the first batch, as they used to say on a Ron and Ron show, the first batch. So who'd you vote for? I just got through telling you, the Mystics and Hushabye. I think we have a real failure to communicate here today is what I'm thinking. What? Let's see. Soft Cell and Tainted Love. You know, probably because I played like a little taste of it. That's probably why I got uh, number one again. Yeah. I wish I had all of these so I could play them. It should cost some good time, but I don't. Sometimes I feel I've got to run away. I've got to get away. Yeah, I was okay, but certainly, I mean, is that the best on that list? I sure hope not. Oh, yeah, my baby loves love. Well, I'm glad you found that. I love that. You'll be getting these in the mail very soon. Boca White Plains, my baby loves love. A medley of their smash. Yeah, there's no way to talk it up. Dave Bridge goes on forever. Excellent. 20 till 10 at 560 WQM. See, I like these shows where we do the music stuff and the movie stuff and, the, and that Me stuff. Too. And then yesterday we had either two sarcastic assholes out there or two really stupid people in the audience. Remember those faxes I got? Yeah. Pretending they didn't understand what... Just just being sarcastic. God. One more reason. I'm so glad that I'm not there. Here's another reason. You, you realize that the Dollar Mattress is going to provide me a new mattress up here next year? I Are heard you aware that, of that conversation, yes. That's what Fat Boy was telling me in the hallway. And, of course, when he says it, let's hope we can keep him alive long enough to make sure it gets done next year when I come back to Toronto. I don't think they're going to be shipping one across the sea to Amsterdam, although I sure could use one. Boy. My landlord got a sense of humor. My mattress over there is like a brick on a uh, on a wooden platform. That's my mattress in Amsterdam. I mean, it's a little better than that, but that's what it feels like. If your mattress isn't worth a crap, then your back isn't any good, and you feel like crap all the time. If you want to feel great, get a great night's sleep every night, call the experts at Dollar Mattress. One easy phone call, man, that's all it takes. I keep trying to explain that to you people over and over again. And a lot of you, thank goodness, have gotten smart and done the smart thing by calling 1-800-MATTRESS. Just one simple call to the betting experts. We'll get you hooked up with the kind of mattress you want, the size, the queen, the king, the twin, whatever you're looking for, and the brand name that you like the best because they got the best in the universe. they got Serta and Signe. they got Simmons and King Coil as well. And no store anywhere in the world can match their selection or their exceptionally low everyday prices. No bait and switch. The one you're looking for is always in stock and ready for immediate delivery as soon as a couple hours after you make the call and whenever you want them to deliver. 
any two-hour window you like. You pick it, the day of the week, whatever you like, noon to two, one to three, whatever. And they give you that 30-day in-home comfort trial so you can sleep on a mattress and test it out the right way to make sure it's perfect for you and your back. Call them right now. You'll be sleeping with a gigantic smile on your puss as soon as tonight. Call 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on the World Wicked Wild. I know that the Lord even loves Neil Rogers. Yes. Tell God. They want us to find a way to reimburse for back pay from 200 years ago when they were slaves. Only $50. Well, I only have a mobile home. A pit bull and a pinch of gold. So if you wanna ask me how, here's what I gotta say. How will I give it to you? You've got to kiss a nigger good morning. And tell him that you're sorry for enslaving them all. Kiss a nigger good morning. And that's for everybody who is dead and gone. If I was born in 1802, owning slaves ain't something I'd do. But what for dead people did to you, I have to take the blame. Would you settle for an old Pontiac? No! With a can of smelly cherry and back. Instead of 40 acres and a mule, I have a better way. You've got to. Kiss a nigger good morning Plant one on Halle Perry, Morgan Freeman too Kiss a nigger good morning And that's your restitution for enslaving you Kiss a nigger good morning And tell them that you're sorry for enslaving them all You got to Kiss a nigger, good morning. I want to give you a kiss. And that's for everybody who is dead and gone. All right. 947 at 560 WQM. Happy Tuesday, too. Sun's shining here so far. It's a beautiful day. It's going to be hotter than hell here today, about 85, 86. There? Yeah. That is Don't get panicky. Them. It's going to be back down to about 70 okay. tomorrow, so don't get all up and out of shape. Just one of those hot and humid days. It's June, man. The crap happens, you know, and then it's going to rain tonight. I'm just keeping you in touch with what's happening up here, eh? Okay, it's raining here. Well, not right now, but... Oh, uh, I hear the weather there. It's either like 175 Whoa. degrees or it's pouring cats and dogs, and it's uh, not anything I miss. No, not it's not something good. I miss. Not good. In fact, I think that's why today it's hot and humid here, just so I get like a little taste of it and realize how happy I am that I'm not there. Soft Cell by Tainted Love's got 13 vote. Can you believe that? I don't know if I believe that. No, now it's got 14, so I think that's a little suspect. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky's got six. Mountain, Mississippi Queen... Got five, also five. Paper lace the night Chicago died. Oh, jeez. The stench of cow manure. And look at that. Look what's got 50. Uh, well, not 15. Well, whatever they like, they like. Okay, whatever they want to diddle with, that's fine with me. One hit wonders. We could do this for like the next hundred years. You know that? Marmalade still only has my one vote. That that's that's a sin. If anything is a sin, that's a sin. In fact, this could be this could be the winner of all time. Reflections of uh, somebody's life, but it's not going to win today's poll. 
And, of course, the winner of today's pool uh, will get to carry on next time we do this against uh, whatever other ones we come up with. Only one survives from today. You understand that, don't you? I know. It's depressing. But, oh, well. Not like this one ain't going to make it. Nope. You know? Great song. The, I mean, Paper Lace, The Night Chicago Died, has got five votes, and that's only got George's vote. At least the uh, Mystics and Hushabai's got four. Mine and three more. Dirty bomb suspect has criminal past in Broward from the early 90s. Broward! How do you like that? No surprise. Every scumbag, every degenerate, every lowlife, every uh, trash, every uh, sunrise police lieutenant Charlie Vital recognized the name instantly even a decade later. Jose Padilla lived in Lauderhill when Vital arrested him after a road raid shooting incident in 1991. Vital was a brand new detective on the job for only two years at the time. I almost shot him because he went for his gun, Vital said. Too bad it was almost... Charlie, Padillo's in a lot more trouble now. Prosecutors announced yesterday that Padilla, now Abdullah al-Mujahir, after converting to Islam in the early 1990s, is part of an al-Qaeda terrorist network that plotted to unleash a radioactive bomb, La Bamba, in the U.S. Maybe he listened to Richie Valens one time too many, you know it? Maybe it put him over the edge. Guess we ain't going to be hearing him no more, huh? We got that there somewhere, too, by yeah, the way, La Bamba. But he had other hits, unfortunately. And then, of course, he died in that plane with uh, the Big Bopper and... Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. You know something? I like Buddy Holly, but I think he was a little bit overrated. You know? I, I agree. Thank you for saying that. I mean, Buddy Holly had, you know, he was good. Peggy Buddy Sue. Holly and the Crickets, that'll be the day, you know. And Peggy Sue, hoo, yeah. Hoo, yeah. He was okay. He was he pretty was good. Just fine. If he hadn't died, but, I mean, uh, the fact that, that, that he much. died in that plane crash made him bigger than life itself. Yeah. And the big bopper, I mean, uh, you know, he was fun. But he had Chantilly Lace. What else did he have? Die. Well, I guess I better look it up. Yep. Get back to that story about Jose Padilla. See, we're like mixing and matching today. We, get, we have lots of filler music, by the way, for you to look stuff up. Oh. No, I, I don't need filler music to look stuff up. If I want filler music, i got it right here. Oh, get out of here, John. Please. Now it's starting to bug me. What am I looking for? The big bopper? Yes. He's still dead, by the way. He's singing up there. Oh, that's right. He had the big bopper's wedding, so he doesn't qualify for one-hit wonders, because otherwise he would. Chantilly Lace... Eight four fifty-eight. See, that's another thing. Uh, the byproduct of uh, our polls is the age factor. See, because I think a tremendous number of our listeners weren't even born when most of these songs were. It's like Robert there, for example. What does Robert know about these songs, right? I know some, not all. I mean, he knew the the Proclaimers. I'm going to be five hundred miles because that was like only nine years ago, and he's big on anything from nine years ago. Anyway, Padilla told government interrogators after his arrest May eighth. In Chicago, that he turned to Islam while incarcerated in the Broward County Jail, and ultimately took his Islamic name. Don't you love all the all these uh, jailbirds? They go they go to jail, and all of a sudden they become like uh, born again Christians. They become Muslims. FBI agent showed up at the Sunrise Police Department about a month ago, looking for his fingerprint cards and paperwork. Vital said, like some of the terrorists who flew airplanes in U.S. buildings on 9/11, Padilla had ties to South Florida, living there from 1990 to at least 1997. Religious leaders at several local mosques say they did not recognize his name or his photo. At the Lake Park Gardens condo complex in Plantation, there was a plaque quoting scripture on a door at the home of Padilla's mother, Estela Ortega. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There was also a statue of a cherub reclining, two boughs decorated with American flag patterns, and a handwritten note, Please leave this family in peace. Victor Olds, Ortega's lawyer, said Monday's announcement regarding the so-called dirty bomb plot caught her off guard 
and that before Padilla's arrest at O'Hare when he arrived from, from, from Pakistan via Zurich holding $10,000 in cash, his mother thought he was coming home to visit his family. She said to me that she never had any information that would have led her to believe that her son was involved in a terrorist group, Old said. She knows that he was in the Middle East for a while, but that's uh, nothing else she knows. When Jose was four, his mother, Estela Ortega, moved him to the West Coast, well, West Chicago, rather, from Brooklyn. In West Chicago, they lived in a modest row house they shared with two other families. His father apparently died when he was young. Neighbors recall that his name was Pucho, or Pudgy, and that he played softball on the streets. Pucho? I guess. What do you mean, you guess? I never heard that word. But law enforcement, you're learning something. Not even 10 o'clock, and he's already learning Espanol here today. A stickler in Spanish on the Neil Rogers Show. But law enforcement sources say he ended up pursuing less benign activities. He joined the Latin Kings, a street gang that used to promote itself as a nonviolent source of empowerment for young Latinos before dozens of its leaders were sent to jail. The sources also say he was involved in a gangland murder when he was only 13. On the night of August 15, 85, just shy of his 15th birthday, Padilla and five others attacked and robbed three men on Chicago Street Corps records said one victim was fatally stabbed and Padilla kicked him in the head. Because he was a juvenile, records are not available on what charge Padilla faced or the outcome of the case. In 1991, he moved to Florida where he was living with a girlfriend and working at hotels for 200 bucks a week, according to a successful workers' compensation claim that netted him an additional five bucks a week and driving a car with tinted windows. Isn't that important that we know that he was driving a car with tinted windows? Boy, this, I'll tell you, this Sun Sentinel don't mess around, That's man. an important part of the profile. On October 8, 91, Padilla was driving a black Toyota Tercel when he flashed a handgun at two men in another car during a traffic incident. Both cars stopped at a gas station at Oakland Park Boulevard and University Drive, where Padilla pulled out a gun, fired at the windshield, and missed, according to the police report. No one was injured. I know that intersection very well. know the gas station. He was a 20-year-old, Vital said. He just got angry and popped off around. <laughs> yeah, he just popped off around. Staking out the house where Padilla lived with his girlfriend at 2315 Northwest 55th Terrace in Lauderhill, eight hours after the road rage incident, Vitel didn't know about Padilla's extensive arrest record, a record that included his involvement in a murder and robbery as a juvenile. Padilla was walking up to the house when Vitel and his partner yelled for him to get to the, on the ground. He started backing up and reached into his waistband for the gun before officers subdued him. There were only a couple of times I could look back and know for sure that something was very close, and that was one of them, Vitel said. Padilla was charged with aggravated assault, firing a firearm from a vehicle, and carrying a concealed weapon in 1991, and spent 303 days in Broward County Jail. He told police at the time of his arrest he'd worked for two weeks at the Holiday Inn on University Drive and Plantation, setting up banquet rooms. Boy, this is this is all like too close to home, you know what? And it goes on and on and on. Padilla lived in a number of locations around South Florida, including the Sundown Apartments in Lauderhill, where residents at a yellow and brown garden apartment complex had never heard of him. Less than a mile from Lauderhill uh, City Hall, Joey Gilmore, a 57-year-old musician, spent the afternoon fielding questions from reporters on the stoop of his apartment in Lauderhill in the lofts of Atria. Gilmore, who has rented the apartment for four years, was watching Matlock on television Monday when he learned of Padilla uh, during a brief news flash. Minutes later, news reporters knocked on his door and informed him of Muhajur's link to his two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment in the single-story wood shingles row house. It's weird, Gilmore said. It's the first time I ever heard of him. How do you like that, huh? And the first time we ever heard of him, too, and hopefully the last. 9.57 at 5.60 WQAM. If you want a fantastic meal in a sensational atmosphere, let me direct you to the Armadillo Cafe. In their great new location, too. Armadillo Cafe is an institution in South Florida. As a matter of fact, if you don't ever eat there, you belong in an institution because it's great. They're in the new location, like I said, in the Pizza Loft Plaza, 3400 South University Drive, right behind Pier 1 Imports. That's right between Griffin and 595 and prestigious Davy. And the food is out of this world. You can try their appetizers like the tequila grilled shrimp with corn cakes, the tempura island princess conch, 
Their spinach salads are out of this world with glazed pecans. The pistachio-crusted mozzarella salad with lemon basil dressing. So even if you're watching your weight, they have all kinds of great goodies on a menu that aren't going to, like, go pork you up. The entrees are prepared with the best and freshest ingredients, too. Try the pan-seared yellowtail snapper with roasted peppers or the sea bass with sweet corn and veal glaze. Choose from dozens of other mouth-rotting entrees on a menu, too. Out of this world. And when it comes to desserts, it is like the frosting on a cake, man. The best. Be sure and check out the Armadillo Creme Brulee, which is the best in the world, or the warm chocolate fritters covered in hot fudge. Call Armadillo Cafe for reservations at 954-423-9954. That's 954-423-9954. And when you go there, you'll discover for yourself why it's been voted one of the best restaurants in Broward for the last 14 years running. Plenty of free parking, too. Be sure and tell Neil sent you in for a memorable meal at the amazing... Dominique, one hit wonder. <clears throat> now you have the good CD. See, that's the one I got down there, I guess. Yeah. Even though it's very similar to this one, it's got most of the same cuts. But which, now, which one has it got instead of that? Cut six is different. Oh wait, no, I have Marmalade, and you have something else. You have uh, Yvonne Elliman. Oh, Yvonne Elliman, and if I can't have you, which I'd. Oh. That's George's favorite. If I can't have Julie. Right. Then I don't want nobody. You didn't like Saturday Night Fever? No, I like the music. Why would I like Saturday Night Fever when John Revolta was in it? Oh, that's right, I forget. Oh, because you, now, like you the also have so the Caravels on your disc. Yes, I do. You don't have to be a baby to cry. But it helps. Yeah, play that for Mo tomorrow morning. Maybe you can grow up like a few months. Every mother's son is on here. Come on down to my boat. That's it. That's a good one. We, that'll be on our list eventually. Don't you think? It has to be. Soft Cell, Tainted Love, 19. Brandy, Looking Glass, 10. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit of the Sky, be having nine. Mississippi Queen and a bunch of others be having six. How'd you like to try to do this talk up, huh? I think it goes on for like a month and a half. Pretty good. 
every mother's son. Oh, boy. I'll tell you one thing from the legend of Billy Jack. If I never heard this song again, it would be way too soon. Yeah, but one how about that wonder, movie? Coven. They played no the hell out of it. And one freaking lousy tin soldier. Now, the amazing part of it is, now, do you have Montego Bay by Bobby Bloom on your disc? Yes, yes, I do. Now, what does it say? It says Montego Bay. See, and on mine, maybe I should say this. This could be, like, valuable someday. Do you think so? No. I doubt it. It says Bobby Bloom and Montego, which is not... And even on the inside, when you look at the uh, little insert there that's got the descriptor there, it says Montego, and, of course, the name of the song is Montego Bay. You made a mistake. No matter what you call it, it sucks. I got the Gotti story here, and this is going to take a long... This is a very lengthy story from Newsday, and like I told you this morning, every New York paper, of course, has got lengthy, lengthy, lengthy articles and editorials and stories and stuff about John Gotti. But I think this one's the best, and it goes on forever. John Gotti once considered America's most powerful mobster, but also the man who helped cause the demise of the modern mafia, died yesterday in a federal prison hospital from complications of cancer while serving a life sentence for murder and racketeering. Gotti, 61, who had been dubbed the Teflon Don after he escaped convictions in previous trials, was convicted in 1992 of racketeering conspiracy, including six murders, and sent to the country's toughest prison, the U.S. Penitentiary at Marion, Illinois, with no chance for parole. He was transferred to the Federal Prison Hospital in Springfield, Missouri last September when his throat cancer became more advanced. Gotti was pronounced dead at 12.45 p.m. yesterday. An autopsy will be conducted to determine the... Now, isn't that interesting? He died at 12.45. Right. And at 12.55, 10 minutes later, I did that story about Peter Gotti and John Gotti. You see? How do you like that, huh? As Neil's psychic powers again put that Miss Cleo to shame, that phony bitch. An Dude, autopsy that, is... What? That music's too hot for your reading. An autopsy will be conducted to determine the exact cause of his death, said a statement issued by prison spokeswoman Diane Smith. How's that? Better. The once robust, robust mobster who got his start in crime as a Queen's truck hijacker, hijacker becomes steadily debilitated, unable to do any physical activity, or take solid food in his final days. Oh, well, that's good news. We like hearing that. Unless, of course, you happen to be a mafia fan. Just like somebody would say that we were upset when Santino, or we were happy when Santino got shot on a causeway. We were crestfallen when Sonny got shot on a causeway. Look Come what on, they did Mo, to his boy. Him. Yeah, you idiot. Often referred to as the Dapper Don because of his flamboyant attire, the silver-haired Gotti became the boss of the Gambino organized crime family following the December 16, 1985 slaying of his predecessor, Paul Castellano, outside of Spark Steakhouse in Midtown Manhattan. Remember, uh, I'm sure you've seen it on TV. The pictures they showed in the newspapers? Uh, the bloody pictures? The bloody pictures, man. What a mess. Gotti's orchestration of the Christmas time assassination of Castellano and bodyguard Thomas Bellotti was a naked grab for power which befitted his brutal leadership style. And Yellow Della Croce, Gotti's mob mentor and underboss of the Gambino crime family, had dampened the rebelliousness of younger members of the crime family dissatisfied with Castellano's rule. But the death of Della Croce on December 2nd, 85, removed the last impediment to the killing of Castellano, who was viewed by many in the mob as a greedy, avaricious boss, beset by legal problems that made him vulnerable. The fact that some of Gotti's crew from the Bergen Hunt and Fish Club in Ozone Park, including Brother Gene, had been implicated in heroin traffic, something banned by Castellano under penalty of death, forced the aspiring mobster to strike first before he was killed because of the drug dealing. The Castellano hit caught the rest of the mob off guard. 
Gotti had very little choice in Ron Goldstock, former head of the state organized crime strike force in the 80s, about the Castellano hit. And because Gotti was so fearsome and ruthless, there was uh, no, uh, there was no to, nobody to go against him. Boy, a misprint there in Newsday, bad. There was no to go against him. <laughs> the highlight of his last trial in a federal courtroom in Brooklyn came when Gotti's former underboss, Salvatore Gravano, testified that Gotti directed the killing of Castellano and sat with Gravano in a car less than a block away while a team of his henchmen shot down Castellano in a close aid, like we just said moments ago, Thomas Bellotti. During his reign, and at least up until his imprisonment, Gotti ruled the crime family with an iron fist. But it was his mouth, specifically secret mutterings about his crimes picked up by hidden FBI bugs, that landed Gotti in prison. On January 17, 1990, in a tape, Gotti was heard talking about his love for the mafia. And this is going to be a Cosa Nostra till I die, he said. Be it an hour from now or be it tonight or a hundred years from now when I'm in jail, it's going to be the way I say it's going to be, a Cosa Nostra. Our thing. But the irony is that Gotti's musings, profanities, and indiscretions caught on the surveillance tapes are now viewed by most experts as the major piece of ammunition federal and state investigators needed to cripple La Cosa Nostra in New York City. Gotti not only brought attention to himself with a flashy lifestyle that included $2,000 Brioni suits. Kind of like, what's his name? They're like Joey Zaza. Maybe someday he'll make you famous, too. Remember that? I remember. Yeah, sure, I have a Bella Figura, but... <laughs> hey, Joey! Zaza! <laughs> anyway, not only did he wear $2,000 Brioni suits like Greg Reed, but he was also unable to avoid electronic surveillance even when he knew he was the target of investigators at Goldstock. Some of the most damaging tapes were made at the apartment of an elderly widow above the Ravenite Social Club on Mulberry Street in Little Italy. The recordings were used at the federal trial of Gotti and his underlings in 1992, and convictions in the case effectively decapitated the leadership of the Gambino crime family, leaving a power vacuum filled unsuccessfully for the most part by inept leaders, including Gotti's son, John A. Gotti, known as Junior. <laughs> he brought the Gambino family to its knees, and Andy Currens, a former FBI special agent who investigated the crime family, guys he put in charge were loyal to him to the extent of anything else, not people who were earners or had any respect in organized crime circles. He was the epitome of the thug, said Joseph Coffey, a private investigator, who as city police detective also probed Gotti and the crime family. He ruled strictly by intimidation as opposed to other mob figures like Luciano, who was smart, Lansky, who was smart, not dumb like Fredo, but smart. Despite his penchant for crime and mayhem, Gotti had a keen sense of humor. But some of his antics in court, done for the benefit of reporters, only served to incense prosecutors and FBI agents who would target him for, him for prosecution, kind of like Al Goldstein. For example, in his 1992 trial, Gotti once blew a kiss toward a prosecutor. At another point, when it appeared that defense attorneys had caught a witness in a contradiction, Gotti drew an imaginary pistol from his waistband and fired off some fake bullets toward FBI agents. During one rest break, Gotti pulled a handkerchief from his pocket and wrapped it around his face in the best imitation of a Western bandit. During jury selection, U.S. District Judge I. Leo Glasser threatened to move the trial to another city because of the media coverage. When the judge briefly left the conference room, Gotti said, Where are we going to move it? Stuttgart, West Germany? His words, both in and out of court, were often a profane. On tapes played at his trials, got well, we better stop right there, shall we? Yes, you're going to go way over. Well, I don't want to go over to break. we got to uh, come back to it. We'll come back to Stuttgart. Or as they say, as some of the Egoyams say, Stuttgart. Twelve minutes after ten at five sixty WQM Father's Day be coming real quick, so make Dad feel special this year by getting him a great, comfortable pair of new shoes, athletic shoes from our good friends at New Balance, with three great locations for you in South Florida. You'll find them in Pinecrest, Aventura, and Boca Raton, where they've got unbeatable, fantastic prices for Dad and the whole family on the world's best athletic shoes. And right now, through Father's Day, buy any New Balance shoe and get you a free cushion support insole. That's a thirty dollar value. The operative word is free at New Balance now through Father's Day. 
I love the New Balance shoes that I got from them. In fact, I got the newest pair, which I would be wearing right now, except I'm sitting here barefoot. But as soon as I go out the door, they'll be on my feet, and they are the best, the best I've ever had. And, of course, at New Balance, they still do the old-fashioned thing. They measure the length of it and the width of it and your foot, too, to make sure you get a very perfect fit each and every time and take care of your feet the right way. New Balance stores, like I said, three locations for you. They're in Miami's Pinecrest. They're on the second floor of the Aventura Mall. And in Boca, you'll find them in the prestigious town center. Or check them out on their website at NewBalanceMiami.com. And don't forget, till Father's Day, buy any New Balance shoe and get a free cushion support insole when you tell them that Neil sent you by. But you better hurry because this offer expires June 6th. Miss. The Joe and Mark Show. Overnights on Sports Radio 560. QAM. QAM. You get a lot of it. It's the new book that's shocking the country. After 20 years, Shaggy of Scooby-Doo speaks out, disclosing the behind-the-scenes antics that could bring down the whole cartoon industry. Like I tell you, like we weren't just solving mysteries in that mystery van, right, Scoob? Like we used to have a bumper sticker on the back that said, when this van's a-rockin', don't come a-knockin'. <laughs> like I gotta tell you, Velma and Daphne, lesbian city, carpet munchers, belly rubbin'. Yep, I know it's hard to believe. Scrappy-Doo, like the only reason like he got his job, he was pimpin' for Daphne. Like how about Fred? Like how many guys do you know that wear a yellow scarf? Like that's right. Scooby and I used to sit in the front of the mystery van and like do bong hits and like watch Velma and Daphne get it on. Like why do you think we ate so much? <laughs> it's the new book, Scrooby Dooby Doo. Like we would have got away with it had it not been for those damn kids. On bookshelves across the country everywhere. <laughs> Remember that, don't you? Yep. You do? No, yeah. you don't. I've the heard it before. The New Radicals, You Get What You Give, which actually was an album cut which made it to number 36 on the uh, chart. I don't know how the hell you do that. I have the CD. Anyway, did you know this little-known fact that the group New Radicals is actually solo rock singer-musician Greg Alexander? No, I did not know that. Well, now you know that. From the album Maybe You've Been Brainwashed 2 on MCA or whatever the hell. New Radicals, a medley of their smash. So there you go. It's not on our list for obvious reasons. I'm, I'm a little bit uh, skeptical about that soft sell and tainted love, aren't you? I, I don't buy bit, it uh, for a second. Dubious about that? Because it's the corniest one looking. on there that they recognize. I beg your pardon? The Game Players. That's the corniest song on there that they recognize. No, I don't think that's the corniest one. That one by... Um, Again, the, that they recognize. The no. Night Chicago Died? These punks, they don't know any of these older ones like The Night Chicago Died. They don't know how uh, corny those are. Unbelievable by EMF has got six. It's doing, Well, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be, okay? Just calm down. Oh, Can I, I get care. back to my John Gotti crap? Oh, please. Like I said, it's long. It is very long. His words both in and out of court were often profane. On tapes played at his trials, Gotti could be heard uttering expletives after losing huge bets on slow horses and lackluster football teams and while blasting mobsters who had not shown him respect. At his last trial, appearing without his longtime attorney, Bruce Cutler, who had been disqualified because of legal conflicts, Gotti gave the appearance of a man who realized he was going down to defeat. 
On several occasions, in loud asides, he called the judge and prosecutors faggots and worse. Faggots! Gotti, who lived in a white clapboard house in Howard Beach that sports a large satellite TV dish, was practically unknown publicly when he took over the leadership of the Gambino crime family. But he soon gained the status of a folk hero to many because of his acquittals, expensive suits, hand-painted silk ties, and swashbuckling ways. Though married to Victoria L. DiGiorgio in the early 1960s, Gotti reportedly was linked romantically to blonde beauty Lisa Gastineau, former wife of Jets football star Mark Gastineau. Remember Gar Mark Gastineau who was dying? Was it him that was dying or was it her that was dying? I don't know. Robert would know. I think it was her. Well, one day she was dying, then the next day she wasn't dying. Well, maybe the, maybe somebody made her an offer she couldn't refuse, huh? Maybe that's what that was all about. Gotti, a one-time petty thief and hijacker, worked his way up through the mob the hard way by earning respect and being ruthless when he needed to be. Born in the South Bronx, October 27, 1940, John Joseph Gotti was the fifth of 13 children raised by his father, John, a construction worker, and mother, Fanny, immigrants from the Naples region of Italy. De Napoli. Napoli. Ever been to Naples? Florida. That's what I'm talking about. Toilet. When he was 12, and by the way, you people over there in Naples, the Beasleys, give me my checks on time, okay? I appreciate the ones in or a day early previous, but let's get them there on time, you assholes. When he was 12, the family moved to East New York, Brownsville section of Brooklyn. Gotti's formal schooling ended at age 16 when he dropped out of Franklin L. Lane High School in Brooklyn. By the time he was 24, he had nine arrests and several brief jail sentences for street fighting, public intoxication, stealing cars, burglaries, bookmaking, and gun possession. In the midst of such trouble, he and his wife had five children, including two daughters, Angela, also known as Angel, and Victoria, who became a best-selling novelist and writer for the New York Post. There also were three sons, Frank, who died in a motor vehicle accident in 1980, John, who became a major force in the crime family until he was convicted in 2000, and Peter, about whom we spoke yesterday. In 1969, at 28, Gotti was convicted of three cargo thefts and truck hijackings at Kennedy Airport and was sentenced to three years in prison. In 1973, he was accused of poisoning as a... Rather, posing as a detective to arrest a man in Staten Island Bar who was believed to have abducted and killed the nephew of Carlo Gambino, the founder of the crime family. He and a lifelong friend, Angelo Ruggiero, fatally shot the man. Through a plea bargain, Gotti and Ruggiero each pleaded guilty to reduce charges of attempted manslaughter and received maximum terms of four years. In 1976, while Gotti was serving time, Gambino died and Paul Castellano, Gambino's brother-in-law, became boss. Long-time underboss, Della Croce was allowed to remain as underboss in control of about 10 of the family's 23 crews. Gotti, a Della Croce protege, served two years in prison and was paroled in 1977. At a farewell party, his prison mates presented him with a plaque that said, To a great guy, John Gotti, from the boys at Greenhaven. On returning home from prison, Gotti was appointed by Della Croce to take over the crew operating out of the Bergen Hunt and Fish Club in Ozone Park as a full-fledged captain. He also spread his wings into the garment district, reportedly becoming a source of some loan shark money, a method of finance relied on often over the decades by cash-strapped 7th Avenue firms. He came to the attention of the general public in the mid-1980s when he won three-court acquittals over a four-year period. It was later learned that jury tampering had occurred in his first federal trial as well as a state case brought by Manhattan District Attorney's Office. After the deaths of Della Croce, who died of natural causes on December 2, 85 in Castellano, Gotti's mode of living changed dramatically. He switched from windbreakers and sport jackets to hand-tailored $2,000 suits, monogrammed socks, and silk ties. He also switched his headquarters from the Bergen Club to the Ravenite Social Club in Little Italy. His first successful court battle, one of three defended by attorney Bruce Cutler, came after a refrigerator repairman, Romuald Piachik, had accused Gotti and another man of slapping him and stealing 325 bucks during a parking dispute in 1984. 
But the case was dismissed by a Queens judge in 86 after Pajic, now aware that he was dealing with a mafia bigwig, testified in court he didn't recognize Gotti or his co-defendant. I didn't know no godfather. In the next case, during which federal prosecutors presented 30 hours of audio tapes to 96 witnesses over a seven-month period, Gotti and six associates were found innocent on March 13, 87, of racketeering charges. They'll be ready to frame us again in two weeks, Gotti told New York Post reporter Phil Messing as he left by the back door of the federal courthouse in Brooklyn. Almost three years later, on February 9, 1990, with jubilant jabs and a kiss for Cutler, Gotti scored his third court victory when a Manhattan jury cleared him in the 1986 shooting of a Carpenters Union leader, John F. O'Connor. That night, fireworks soared over Mulberry Street as Gotti supporters partied in Little Italy, a signal of his local folk hero status. One crime that Gotti was never charged with involved the disappearance of a Howard Beach neighbor, John Favara, in 1980. On March 18, 1980, Favara, 51, accidentally killed Gotti's 12-year-old son, Frank, when the boy's minibike swerved into the path of Favara's car. Four months later, while Gotti was in Florida, Favara disappeared. Mob expert Jerry Capici recently reported on his gangland website that eight members of Gotti's crew, using a van and two cars, abducted Favara, shot him to death, placed his body in a barrel filled with cement, and threw it into the Atlantic Ocean. Of the eight implicated in the Favara disappearance, two are dead and four in a slammer. Gotti met his downfall in the 1992 trial when a federal jury which had deliberated for 13 hours found him guilty of racketeering, racketeering conspiracy, and ten separate criminal counts. At the defense table, Gotti, with a tight-lipped smile, leaned over to his lawyer, Albert J. Krieger, and whispered, It's all right, don't worry, it's not over. But it was. Sentenced to life imprisonment, Gotti became Bureau of Prisons inmate number blah 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 and was placed in a seven-by-eight-foot cell at the Marion Federal Penitentiary. Friends said he passed time by reading, exercising, and watching TV. As his illness progressed, he was forced to abstain from most solid foods and was relegated to a liquid diet. For exercise, he walked alone in an isolated area of the medical facility where he spent his final months. Not much of a legacy given the weakened state of La Cosa Nostra that he left behind. He's dead. The Don is dead. Now, if you could just arrange for Pete Bolger, like, you know, to choke on his lasagna or something like that. And he's not even Italian. If you look up the word schmaltz in the dictionary, the Godfather theme is playing right next to it. You know? Am I right or am I right? You're absolutely right. Both of them. Absolutely correct. Oh, oh. 1026 at 560 WQM. If you want to get yourself a big one, which we've been talking about a lot on this show lately, about big ones, get yourself a big paycheck, and you can do it in just four short months. That's right, because the demand for certified computer professionals is absolutely skyrocketing. It's through the roof. Pick up the phone and call our good friends at Fast Train today. Call 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. Tell them you heard Todd Dreck talking about it on QAM. Summer classes are forming right now. If you call now, you can be certified in that brand-new career before summer's end and start making some serious cash. Fast Train offers Microsoft certified instructors for convenient locations, including the brand-new campus in Kendall, job placement assistance, day and evening classes, too. And for those individuals whose job was affected after 9-11, Fast Train is an operation paycheck training provider. Call Fast Train tool-free, 866-FAST-TRAIN. Call them right now or check them out on the web at FastTrain.com. Then call 866-FAST-TRAIN. Like I said, Fast Train can have you certified and ready for a brand-new money-making career in as little as four months. So say goodbye to that dead-end career. Say goodbye to that asshole boss of yours. Believe me, I can relate. Call Fast Train tool-free today. Call 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. public service announcement from QAM. Helping to keep whiny bitches off the air. Sports Radio 560. QAM. Holy cow, Aaron's coming. I 
get the Nutrisystems I was thinking about losing weight I stepped on the scale And they got a measuring tape They said, wait a minute, mister There's only so much we can do I think liposuction may be the only thing for you break the news to Eric. Not only did you give me a bogus website yesterday, which doesn't even exist, but also look at what, there are two songs that have no votes so far, okay? We're doing today yes. the first of a series of the best, the one-hit wonders of all time. This is just the first of many. Anyway, on the bottom of the list, see, uh, Human Beings and Nobody But Me has got no votes, which really pisses me off. And White Plains and My Baby Loves Me. Wrong. The name of the song, Eric, is My Baby Loves Love. Let me check but, my list to make sure that I didn't write it down wrong. Well, you, you just got through playing a little uh, bit of it a while ago. Nevertheless, that doesn't mean that I wrote it down right. Oh. Well, I gave it to you right, I'll tell you that. I'm sure. I... Well, check your list. My baby loves love. I wrote it down right. My baby loves love, Eric. Not my baby loves me. It's kind of hard to get votes for a song that don't exist. Now, speaking of something that doesn't exist, I have another CD sitting over here among not too many that I bought here. But at any rate, I thought for sure that this would be like a medley of their smash. And come to find out, it, this wasn't even a hit. I don't, Shock I don't the understand. Shocked the crap out of me. The band and the weight. I pulled into Nazareth, wasn't feeling about half past ten. This never made the top anything. That was their, but, so I got me to look up the band in my billboard book, and it says, rock group formed in Woodstock, New York, Robbie Robertson guitar, Levon Helm vocals and drums, Rick Danko bass, Richard Manuel and Garth Hudson keyboards, all hailed from Canada except Except Levon Helm from Arkansas, and of course with a name like that, like Levon. Group's farewell concert on Thanksgiving Day 76 was documented in the Martin Scorsese movie The Last Waltz. Manuel committed suicide on 3486 at the age of 42. Group was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1994 and never really had a big hit. Up on Cri Cripple Crick. Right. 69, I reached number 25. That was 112969. And don't do it. Uh, October 14, 1972, that only got a size number 34. So they never had like a top 20 hit, much less top 10. And I, I thought this was, I thought that was a big hit. You and me both. Yes, I did. Their first single, but never made the charts. And Mr. Can you tell me? I just, I'm in shock. So much to learn about music and so little that we know, you know what? 
especially this bogus poll we're taking today, really frost my ass, okay, you soft-sell assholes out there. 25 votes. Looking Glass Brandy, 13. Norman Greenbaum. Now, we, you must have that there somewhere. I, I have it at home. No, I'm saying we got it there. I would know where. Oh, okay. Well, don't knock yourself out. I'm going to go out and uh, buy a whole bunch of these today. Well, Brian says don't buy anything. I, He's got that, the thing on the... I know it's... Now, I don't know. tell me... Look, I, well, let me get to that story now, okay? Now that you inspired me, I don't want to plant any seeds in anybody's mind. i got to stay... Here you go, Lycos. <laughs> Lycos to offer subscription music service. Anybody want to sign up? No. Anybody want to pay for it? No. Internet portal, Lycos. You know what this is like? Coast. It's like if if somebody was some guy out there was getting like uh, laid with Britney Spears three times a day, and somebody says, "Hey, guess what? We got uh, what's your name over here? What the hell's her name? Ka Ka Kathy Willard. Do you want to pay for it? <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yeah. You're starting to sound like Renfield. Well, maybe those people that feel really bad about downloading the music for free, maybe they'll subscribe. I'm sorry, I almost and, got that. And out, where do so. we where do we find such people? Not in this audience, I'll tell you that. No. Internet portal Lycos.com is launching today. Today, this is timely, see? A new subscription music service that offers unlimited streaming access to 143,000 songs for just 10 bucks a month. It's latest push to draw users into paid premium content. Anybody want to sign up? Uh, no! Lycos is becoming the largest Internet company to partner with San Francisco's Listen.com, which has signed deals with four of the five major record labels to give access to songs streamed to a personal computer with CD-quality sound. The arrangement does not allow people to save songs and record them on CDs. Well, uh, you know, let me read that last sentence again. Please. The arrangement does not allow people to save songs or certainly not record them on compact discs. <laughs> the How much <laughs> do they want me to pay for that? Ten bucks a month. Oh, a bargain. Christ Almighty. Listen on my computer speakers. Wonderful. The new Lycos Rhapsody service available at http://music.lycos.com. Why do they put that HTTP crap in Will be offered for free through June 30th. After that, Lycos plans three tiers of service. In fact, I got tears running down my cheeks just reading this from laughter. Free access to 20 channels of FM quality sound, five bucks a month for over 50 commercial free channels in CD quality and ten dollar monthly for unlimited streams of individual, individual songs plus the 50 channels. Rhapsody's got music licensing deals with BMG, Sony Music Entertainment, EMI Recorded Music, and Warner Music Group representing artists including Christina Aguilera, Ugh, Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park's okay. Jennifer Lopez, Jay-Z, Lauren Hill, Prince, Bruce Springsteen, and Simon and Garfunkel. Universal's the only major label not, not participating in Rhapsody in your pants. P.J. McNeely, a top digital music analyst with consultants uh, Gardner G2, said, For listen, this is by far the most significant Internet service provider deal that's been struck. For Lycos, it's an incremental step in a strategy of offering more paid services to grow revenues. McNeely said he thinks Listen.com's got a good chance of becoming much more popular than the industry-sponsored streaming music sites MusicNet and Press Play. Those each have only three of the five labels participating, cap how many songs can be downloaded per month, and have never disclosed how many subscribers they've attracted. From a user standpoint, Listen has perhaps the most advanced of the services that are out there because all the deals they have structured with record labels, McNeely said. But, McNeely said, a major limiting factor on the potential priority of Lycos, or popularity of Lycos Rhapsody is that the services are tied to your PC, which is a problem for people who want to be able to download songs and save them and listen to later on a portable music player, or like in their car, or like on something with like good speakers, you know what I mean? I know. Or it might like sound like a real song? Like music? 
McNeely said Gartner estimates only 16% of adults regularly listen to streaming music at home or work. And a big question is, how many people would rather spend $120 a year for continuous one-time access to songs instead of buying CDs they can keep or other options, which we, of course, won't mention? Sean Ryan, the chief executive of Listen.com, said he's confident users will find the Rhapsody system a simple, easily understandable way to get access to music without the risk of introducing viruses to their computer by using illegal Napster-inspired music-sharing services. That's right. Don't be using that illegal stuff. You risk uh, introducing a virus to your uh, thing. I would never. And there's nothing worse than having a virus in your thing. Digital music should be for all users. It's not for the very young or the very geeky or the very cutting edge, Ryan said. It's just for people who want choice. It shouldn't be challenging. It shouldn't be threatening. It should just be another way to get music you want to listen to. Since last autumn, Lycos Unit, the Spanish media giant Terra Networks SA, has launched several efforts to draw users from free services to paid premium versions. They include enhanced versions of its angelfire.com and tripod.com community websites, paid email with larger capacity, ad-free inbox, and a $200 a month information service for stock traders. So there you go. There's your choice. Sign up today, Lycos.com. You want it? No. Huh? Come on. No. Ten bucks a month. You can do it. 20 before 11 at 560 WQM. Let me tell you about a guy that's not going to charge you much money either, Charlie Alfieri at the Charles Alfieri Studios in Fort Lauderdale. In fact, mention Neil Rogers when you call, and Charlie will knock $200 off his already regular low price. You follow what I'm saying? And for a very small pittance, you can look better and younger than you have in years. That's right. The choice is yours, guys. I've been telling you this for over 20 years now. And Charlie's been doing it for guys for over 25 years in the hair, too. You can either look like a clown with a mousy-looking piece on your head, or you can look like a mensch. Like I said, you can look younger and better than you have in a coon's age. Because Charlie's got the best-looking system anywhere. It looks like it's grown right out of your scalp. That's why he calls it the natural hairline system. And there's no obligation when you do business with Charles Alfieri. Just call that toll-free number, 1-800-321-2413. I'll give it to you again, straight. And they give you a free consultation. You sit down, they take a look at your head, and then they show you just how much better and younger they can make you look, too, at, like I said, a very reasonable price. Call today, 1-800-321-2413. That's 1-800-321-2413. Or log on to their website at charlesalfieri.com. Suck it in and hold it. I looked for my pussy, but my pussy wasn't there. Well, 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 my cat fell in the well. Oh, puss, 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 poor kitty, 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 my cat fell in the well. I got out a ladder and I climbed down to my bed. I saw in a jiffy that my puss was soaking wet. All right. Well, 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 my cat fell in the well.
favorite. Thank you. Thanks. Tony Basil, One Hit Wonder. Thank God for that. Yeah, there's a lot of these on here that are fairly obscure in this one disc that I've got. For example, I don't think I played this on here. Did I? No. Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine. Anybody ever hear this? Uh, no. Sure. You did? It was uh, big for five minutes. All over the place. Couldn't get rid of it. Guess what? What? There's a mistake on this disc. Uh oh. Because I just looked it up in a book. They also had Do You Want Crying, which only got to 37. But, you know, One Hit Wonder should be somebody that only had one, like, in the top four. And they also had That's the Way, which reached number 16. Guess what? Focus disc. I want my freaking money back. Anyway, Walking on Sunshine was uh, 42085, reached number nine on the charts. Pop rock group formed in London. Katrina Laskanich, vocals born in Topeka, Kansas, and Kimberly Rue, guitar, Vince Dela Cruz, bass, and Alex Cooper, drums. Katrina and the Waves, not a one-hit wonder. Thank the Lord we didn't put that on there on our uh, poll today. Oh, God. Boy, we looked uh, had egg on our puss, you know what? Something as important as this. And then, even though this one's got the right name of the song, this is a different group doing Montego Bay. Amazulu. Ever hear this? No. Oh. Want to hear it? No. <laughs> no. Oh, it's my favorite song. I don't like this song in the first place by Bobby Bland or by uh, Emma Zulu or any other Zulu. Kim Wilde, You Keep Me Hanging On. A song that definitely didn't need to be done again. That's a one-hit wonder? Well... What happened now, this to this? What this happened this to Kids in America? All right, just that was his first hit. At least MTV played it uh, a million times an hour. I've been ripped off, you know. Kids in America made number twenty-five. So once again, bogus disc. Now this disc is called One Hit Wonderful Volume Two. More hard to find one hit wonders, which is why I bought it. Because when, you, when you're looking for this and you see one of this that specifically says that, and then you look it up in your book and you realize that they're full of crap, you realize you've been had. You've been led down the freaking garden path. Kim Wilde, my ass. So there's two so far in this disc that are bogus. Now, that did get... Now, you keep me hanging on. Got to be number one in uh, 87. 41887. Can you believe yeah. that? Yeah, I believe it. I know. That, that song didn't need to be done again. No, it did not. Supreme's done just a fine job on that. And Kids in America, which I don't ever want to hear that again. So, we just continue. Now, this one, I'm sure that there's nobody else done this. Harold Faltermeyer, <laughs> baby. Yeah. Who would we do this? Although, I'm sure they picked up the hook for some rap song somewhere. Now, this is it. Reach number three, no less. Axel F. Uh -huh. What does the F stand for? Fun. Born in Munich, Germany. Keyboardist, songwriter, producer, Harold Faltermeyer. 
and you will like it too, buddy. Robert's crunching up his face. He doesn't recognize that this is from uh, Beverly Hills Cop. No, I thought it was Axel X. Axel F. F as in uh, fake. F as in fascist. From the movie Beverly Hills Cop starring Eddie Murphy. Axel Foley. There you go. Well, there you go. So then why, does it, why is it Axel F? It's abbreviated. Huh? Inquiring. No, it's not abbreviated. Inquiring minds want to know. Well, we better do some investigative work into that. Maybe we can find the answers on that nifty website that Eric talked to us about uh, yesterday, even though it doesn't exist. <laughs> I'm sure you just got it wrong. No, I, I wrote it down exactly the way he uh, uh, passed it along to us. And then, not only that, but I uh, checked every other possible variation out on the uh, above theme. doesn't exist. You tried it with hyphens? I tried it with hyphens, with gryphons, with uh, everything. doesn't exist. Nice try, Eric. Although he did straighten out the name of that song, My Baby Loves Love. By white plans, I guess, still don't have any votes. And neither does uh, nobody but me by the human beings. You know, the fact that nobody but me by the human beings has got no votes is another reason I'm glad I'm not in South Florida. Man, some of you people, your taste is deep inside your... Rectum. Man, George couldn't even find it with his tongue. God, how is that possible? Nobody but me by the human beings? That's just not not just a one-hit wonder. That's one of the great songs of all time, you know it? And they play it like in every movie, every TV show. In every commercial. Like I said right. yesterday, there's a zillion commercials uh, based on that song. Boy, there's something really, really wrong. No wonder the music is so bad in South Florida on FM, you know Sneak back. I don't think I have to look for other hits of theirs, do I? No. But I will anyway. I'm not sure. Food is forbidden. Sometimes we wobble. Sometimes we're strong. But you know evil is an exact science. And I hate to break the news here. There's another mistake. This one never made the top 40 anyway. Nemesis by Shriekback. That was never a hit. At least not a top 40 hit. Well, I'll tell you, this disc I want a refund right now. Although there must be something on there. That's right, Scott. Welcome back, Carter. Can't be all bad. <laughs> there you well, go. Well, no, I mean, John Sebastian. I hated the show. I don't like the theme, but it, it's John Sebastian. He was great. Uh, I it's know. man. We can't help it that he got uh, hooked up with John Revolta and... Uh, Welcome back. And Horschmidt, whatever his name was. Your dreams were your ticket <laughs> Welcome back. Who was the teacher? What the hell was his name on that show? Gabe Kaplan. Gabe Kaplan. Well, I didn't like him either. No. There was just something about him. He always, he always acted kind of like Gabe. I just think you're an anti-Semite. If a person... Here's a fact you just uh, said. All from a chronic Tim Potts. Chronic. Hey, Tim. <laughs> anyway, if a person has an editing software like Cool Edit, Pro Tools, or Vegas Pro, they can... Blah, 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 and not, no, see, we're not going to like uh, promote stuff like that. Convert it and burn your CD. No, we don't... Uh, oh, he says, play Indiana wants me. Now you're talking, Tim. Now you're starting to make some progress. And how's mom doing? Remember Tim Potts sent us those awful comedy CDs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had forgotten all about that. And he's a chronic fax. You're in a uh, terminal, Neely, and just obsessed. But he's, he's okay. He means well. It's just that uh, he's a little off, you know? He wants to hear Indiana Wants Me by R. Dean Taylor. Which, now, how many votes has that got? If that doesn't have a lot of votes, I'm walking out. I'm getting up and walking into the other room for a while anyway. Indiana Wants Me. I don't see it. Uh, ah! Two votes! Oh, man. 
Jesus K. Christ and Joseph, Indiana wants me by R. Dean Taylor's got two votes. The best one-hit wonder of all time. There's something wrong with this with that town. There's something in the drinking water. I don't want to start any rumors, but it can't just be plain stupidity or bad taste. <coughs> of course, they must have bad taste. They're listening to this show. Johnny Taylor, John Taylor, James Taylor. Oh, where the hell's R. Dean Taylor? Wouldn't that be something if he's not in here? Oh, here it is. Made number five in 1970, in September of 1970. R. Dean Taylor, born in Toronto, no less, in 1939, eh? First pressings featured sirens on the intro, but evidently after that they took them off. You know what I think that might have been? What? I think, don't you remember they passed that thing on radio, you're not supposed to play things with the sirens and stuff like that? Yeah, it freaks people out when they're driving in their car. No, no, it's not just that it freaks them out, but it's, uh, you're not supposed to play them, because it's like a false alarm, you know. Right. For, for the reason you just said. Anyway, Indiana Wants Me was number five, was on the charts for 13 weeks on Rare Earth Records, it was a medley of his smash, and it's got two lousy votes. God. And and I'm I'm looking and Boca Brian didn't send that one to me. I'm, I'm gonna go out there and buy that today. In spite of all these suggestions of downloading stuff and stealing music, all these terrible things, who the hell do you think we are here? A bunch of thieves or what? Yes. God. Crazy person? I'll have you know that both of these CDs I went out and bought uh, with crappy Canadian money, it's not worth too much, I went out there and bought yesterday at Sam's, which is still in business downtown, by the way, even though they they got bought out and they were like going out of business, and I don't know who the hell bought them, but they, the, the place is like, and it perpetually looks like it's out of business, but it's open, you know what I mean? I do. <laughs> kind of like they can't make up their mind. In fact, last night they had a midnight sale, and uh, they were like had a whole bunch of brand new releases that were being sold at midnight. A lot of places to say in town are like that. Yeah, look like yeah, they're like, closed. Yeah, like QAM. Like yesterday, ten fifty six at five sixty WQM. The good news is we got the logs today. Oh. We got everybody's mail today. Oh. They got their black sacks today. Oh. What the more could you want? Except. Hallett's 2002 Neil Rogers Neil Deal Blowout Sale, and the good news is that's going on right now, too. Life is great. Stop by Hallett Pontiac GMC, say hi to Tom Lehman, say, hey, Tom, what's wrong with you? They're at 13401 South Dixie Highway on US 1 across from the falls. Same great location. They've been treating people great for over 35 years. And right now, the lowest sale price is marked right on the invoice on all 2002 cars and trucks in stock. If you're real nice, Tom will read it to you. Choose 1.9% financing or up to a $3,500 rebate. While you're at Hallett, be sure and take a peek at the complete line of GMC SUVs, including the Envoy, which by now you should know was voted by Motor Trend as the SUV of the year. Plus, take a peek at the all-new Vibe SUV that's got the power of a sports car at a fraction of the price. And as always, Hallett's got a great selection of dependable pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs waiting for you, too. If you were turned down for credit by some uh, douchebag car dealer somewhere, uh, if you're not good enough for the other guys, you're good enough for Hallett. They'll get your deal worked out some way, somehow, even if you knew Jeff DeForest. How come they were picking on him again this morning? Who was? The audience. I mean, Mo, Mo to his credit, he and uh, Geldy defended him, but the audience was like picking on him, like being a scumbag. We like Defoe, and by the way, he's doing great. It's the two thousand. And by the way, uh, Tom Lehman likes him, too, by the way, by the way. It's the 2002 Neil Rogers Neil Deal blowout sale going on right now at Hallett Pontiac GMC, 13401 South Dixie Highway. That's right down there on US 1 across the street from the falls, open every day of your life, seven days a week. For more information, just call the Neil Rogers Neil Deal hotline at one 888 Hallett Pontiac GMC. They are professional. Yeah. 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 You call that a hairy? 
penis? Coming up tonight on Inside the Behind the True Hollywood Celebrity Music Biography Profile Story, we take a good, hard, stiff look into stardom. Their infectious pop stylings infected us with an infection until we took some antibiotics and it thankfully went away in a week or so. They were to pow. Always asking us where we got the name T'Pau. <laughs> In this rare interview, T'Pau lead singer Carol Decker makes the rash assumption that we give a flying f about her and her stupid band. Well, T'Pau was a character on Star Trek. She was a Vulcan High Priestess. <laughs> Interestingly enough, confessing that she named her band after a Star Trek character branded Carol Decker as such a hopeless geek that it prevented her from getting laid during her entire tenure as a famous person. <laughs> it's ironic, you know, because as you probably know, Vulcans have to mate <laughs> once every seven years or they, like, explode. <laughs> Why, no, Carol, you annoying, strange person. We didn't know that. But let me ask you this. If the band Tapau doesn't have a hit every seven years, do they explode too? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, like, what are you getting at? I mean, we only had that one hit, and it's been well over seven! Ladies and gentlemen, a little glimpse of what the world would be like if TV show announcers had all the power. It's a big, juicy, sopping wet luggage show business tonight on Inside the Behind. You know what? I think uh, we we made a mistake. Wee wee, wee wee. Yeah, I think the name of that. So I, I, I mean, Eric made a mistake, but that goes without saying. My baby loves lovin' is the name of that song. Ah, I think you're right. With an apostrophe at the end. Oh, sorry, Eric. Did you Why look it up? I just looked it up. Well, they kind of mumble it. Let's see. Question uh, question mark and Mysterians are from Bay City in Saginaw, Michigan. Just like I said, how do you like that? There's also a Saginaw Bay City in Midland, Texas. So, in other words, maybe that's where they got the mistake in uh, Billboard. But they are definitely from Saginaw, Michigan. Make no mistake about that, because I was living in Michigan and playing that on the radio at the time. How do you like them apples, huh? I feel I know enough. my Michigan baby. So, anyway, Tapau, speaking of that, which next time we do this, yeah, whenever the hell the mood strikes, like maybe tomorrow or four weeks, whenever the hell I feel like it, you know, mm -hmm. I kind of enjoy it, even though we get bogus votes. Tapau, uh, we'll put them on there next time. Pop rock group from Shrewsbury, England. Carol Decker vocals, Dean Howard guitar, Mick Chetwood keyboards, Paul Jackson bass, and Tim Burgess drums. Band name after a Vulcan princess in an episode of the TV series Star Trek. Did you know that? Yeah, I shouldn't admit that, but yeah. Oh, uh, you were the one. Heart and Soul reached number four in 87. That was a medley of their smash. So Tapau will be on there one of these days. Tapau. We'll do this again. By the way, something. Yes? I don't know what site you were looking for, that one hit wondercentral.com. He's already he already put it up there in, in blazing green on my oh, okay, uh, page I found here. It. One hit wonder central website is one hit wonder central dot com. Okay. Yeah, Thank you, Eric. It's great. See, he's trying way. to rub it in now just because he made a mistake on uh, White Plains and we made a mistake on her too. So how do you like that? Take that. Take that, Mister Hotshot. Soft Cell and Tainted Love's got thirty six. Are you, do you buy that for a minute? No. Looking Glass by Brandy sixteen. I mean, the Brandy's the name of the song. See, that's interesting. You look at some of these and you can't tell what's the name of the group uh, in the I song. Know. But we know what it is. Brandy, you're a fine bitch. Uh, Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky, also got 16. Mountain, Mississippi Queen, 15. 
Zager and Evans in the year 25-25 has got 13. And then it's downhill from there. No, 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 hey, 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 has got 12. Now, where's the Indiana Wants Me by R. Dean Taylor? That better have a one or two more votes or I'm going to be two. Oh, oh my God. I'll tell you, I knew before the show started today there was no God, but now I know for sure. Positive. Hey, you want a good laugh? Here's a great story for you from the Sun Sentinel today. Always good for a few chuckles. Boynton officials say Power Company will help build Marlins Stadium there. <laughs> That's right. When City Commissioner Mike Ferguson suggested building a stadium for the Florida Marlins in Boynton Beach last year, his proposal was met with laughter and ridicule. <laughs> But Ferguson says the idea is no laughing matter, and now he's found a company to bankroll part of it, but he won't identify the potential financial backer. In a June 1st letter to Marlins President David Sampson, Ferguson says he has an offer from an unnamed California-based power generation company to spend, maybe Enron, to spend $350 million on the project. The company would supply power to baseball stadium using state-of-the-art technology, letter states. Ferguson said yesterday he couldn't reveal the name of the company. Otherwise, more laughter <laughs> probably would start. In May 2001, Ferguson proposed building a 400 to $500 million, 65,000-seat stadium with a retractable roof inside Quantum Corporate Park off I-95. I'm sure a lot of us would drive all the way up there to Boynton Beach to see tomorrow, wouldn't you? Uh. Yeah. Robert would go. If he got free tickets. I'd go if I got free food. Like at the Skybox. And like a free helicopter ride? Limo. The idea raised more than a few eyebrows, but Ferguson said he remained serious about attracting the Marlins to Boynton Beach. Ferguson said two-thirds of the team's 4,000 season ticket holders come from Broward, Palm Beach, and Martin counties, but Sampson said that number seemed a little bit high. Well, maybe Commissioner Ferguson was a little high when he gave out those numbers. During last night's Marlins game in Kansas City, which the Marlins won, by the way, next readings, what was it, 15-8? Uh, Robert doesn't know. Something like that. You know something? You work on a show where all they talk about is soccer and basketball and a little bit of baseball, and you don't know the score of last night's Marlin game? I'm pretty sure they said it went. I'm pretty sure that it went 14 innings and the Marlins scored seven on the top of the 14th and won 15 to eight. I believe so. Does it make a difference? No, no. No. They're a 500 team. During last night's Marlin game in Kansas City, Samson said it wouldn't be fair to comment further till he reads the proposal. Ferguson estimates the cost to build the stadium is closer to $500 million. He said he based that figure on other stadiums built around the country. He suggests baseball could spend about $100 million of the total cost, with some of it coming from the Marlins, the baseball commissioner's office, and the players' union pension. Another $50 million could come from the local, county, state, and federal agencies, he said. Ferguson said the Quantum Pike start because of its proximity to I-95 and the tri-rail station was crucial to the deal. It's right by the tri-rail. Oh, Don't you want to hop aboard? Asked whether the unnamed California-based company seemed serious about its offer, he said, I would think there'd have to be some due diligence done, but when somebody surfaces with $350 million worth of bonds, I think they have to be given some sort of credibility, he said. <laughs> Ferguson said he could give no details about the proposal to issue bonds. Major League Baseball and the Major League Players Association both said they hadn't seen the letter and couldn't comment. Everybody is mum. The Marlins have a lease at PP Park in North Dade County through 2003 with seven one-year options after that. Since new owners took over the team in February, the Marlins have avoided talk of a new stadium and focused instead on the team's 500 performance. The team officials repeatedly have stressed the need to generate more revenue, particularly at PP Park, where the team's lease favors H. Wayne Hypinga, who owns the stadium and once owned the team, as we know, before he sold him down the river. Last week, word emerged the team has had preliminary discussions with the University of Miami about moving into the Orange Bowl in 2004 temporarily as a way to generate more revenue. <laughs> right. Now, what's it going to be, about a 75-foot home run down the lines in the Orange Bowl? 110 feet? <laughs> 
No, seriously, the Orange Bowl is not configured for baseball. Isn't it old and ready to collapse? Yes. A dump. A toilet. Boynton Beach Mayor Gerald Broning said he thought the letter has great merit and the idea is worth pursuing if the company's offer is legitimate. I think it's a good scheme, Broning said. I think somebody would have to go through the formal procedure and all of the bells and whistles to do it. So there you go. The Boynton Beach Marlins. Let's hear it. They're doing it, baby, in Boynton Beach. I told you to get a chuckle or two out of that. Here's another one you might get a chuckle or two out of in a sadistic way, knowing what a prick you are, George. Yes. Vatican accused Kentucky Bishop resigns. This is one we had a story on, and now he's out. Bishop Jake Hendrick Williams of Lexington, Kentucky, accused in several sex abuse cases, resigned yesterday the Vatican be saying. The bishop who has denied the charges has been on administrative leave. The Vatican said the Pope accepted the resignation submitted under church law for illness or some other grave reason. In lawsuits against, suits against the archdiocese, three plaintiffs alleged abuse by Williams. James W. Bennett alleged Williams abused him in 1981 while Bennett was a 12-year-old altar boy. David Hall alleged Williams fondled him when Hall was an 18-year-old high school senior. A third plaintiff who filed suit last week also accuses Williams of molesting him when Williams was a priest in Louisville. In a statement last week, Williams said, I've never sexually abused anyone at any time in my life. You believe me? No. Williams is the third bishop brought down in the sex abuse scandal rocking the Roman Catholic Church in the U.S. since January. The announcement of his resignation comes two days before American bishops meet in Dallas to decide on proposals to deal with sexual abuse in the clergy and how to cover all of this up, how to cover their ass. <coughs> Monk shooting motive remains a mystery. Remember I asked yesterday about the abbey? Right. Well, a Roman Catholic abbey in Conception, Missouri. Is that? I guess that is because it's with a T. It's not, not a Spanish name. No. A Roman Catholic abbey erupted in gunfire as a 71-year-old man wheeling two assault weapons killed two monks and wounded two others before committing suicide, leaving bewildered residents in Conception, Missouri, wondering about a motive. Interviews with relatives and neighbors of Lloyd Robert Jeffries, uh, Jeffress, or maybe he didn't like his last name, Jeffress, J-E-F-F-R-E-S-S, yielded no clues as to why the retiree packed two rifles in separate boxes, drove his green Chevy Cavalier to far northwest Missouri on Monday, and then opened fire in the hallway of the Conception Abbey, official said. Investigators were digging into Jeffers' religious past, but there was no immediate indication if the shootings were related to the sex scandal in which priests around the country had been accused of molesting youngsters. Jeffers also did not appear to be under the influence of drugs or booze and had no known criminal past. It doesn't make much sense, State Highway Patrol Sergeant Sheldon Lyons said. It makes you wonder what goes through a person's mind to make him do something like this. Grief-stricken residents in Conception, about 90 miles north of Kansas City, offered prayer, food, and flowers to those at the Benedictine Monastery and Seminary. The doors of the Conception Abbey were locked for the first time in recent memory overnight, and a highway patrolman stood guard. The Reverend Gregory Poland, abbot of the Abbey, said he mistook the first shot as a window-breaking. The monks and staff barricaded themselves in their rooms when they realized shots were being fired. The whole thing lasted about five minutes, maybe even less, Poland said. Investigators interviewed Jeffress's daughter in Norborn late Monday, but gained no insight into a possible motive. How do you like them apples, huh? They're shooting the monks, which brings back great memories of the monks in, though. I'll tell you, that was a great place. You never got to eat there, huh? No, I never. Oh, man, was that good. That was back in the days when South Florida was worth being in. Speaking of food, let me tell you about getting in shape for summertime. Maybe you want to go to the beach, put on a bathing suit. Well, you certainly don't want to look like a beached whale. The beast has lost 32 pounds on balance for life. This man is a shadow of what he was, and he's still a fat tub. But he's a shadow of what he once was. And we're going to get him on the road to like being healthy and looking human. Maybe you can get laid sometime before the year is out. You think so? Uh. Well, let's not get carried away. That would be like saying we're going to get Clarence laid before the year is out. Anyway, the beast in a bathing suit, maybe that's coming to a beach near you pretty soon. Watch out. Balance for life is the answer to losing that weight. It's a bitch. I can tell you personally, losing weight, I mean, you try Atkins and Scatkins and this program and that one. 
Balance for Life is based on Dr. Barry Sears' The Zone Diet, which is extraordinarily complicated, but they take all the work out of it for you because they prepare all the meals. The best ingredients that money can buy, three delicious hormonally balanced gourmet meals, two delicious snacks, and a little 16-ounce bottled water in your little black sack, which they deliver to you just about every day at 6 o'clock in the morning to home, work, wherever you might be. They insist they delivered that one yesterday, but we doubt it. Anyway, if you want to get on the road to uh, losing some weight, and don't forget, they let you choose between two alternatives for each meal each day you're on a program. Get in shape for summer and the rest of your life starting right now with Balance for Life. Like I said, the food is delicious, and it really works. The weight comes pouring off, just like on the beast. Call them today, 954-568-3229. Talk to Troy. He's our boy. 954-568-3229, or check out their website at... Al Gore. Al Gore, as you have never heard or seen him before. Four years ago, you gave me your nomination to be vice president. This is some crowd. I've been watching you doing that Macarena on television. And if I could have your silence, I would like to demonstrate for you the Al Gore version of the Macarena. I am not trying to do that. Macarena. 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 Would you like to see it again? Tengo mucha compasión. Tengo mucha emoción. Tengo mucha emoción y un gran corazón. When your alarm goes off in the morning, Macarena. When one of your children reaches for cereal and fruit, Macarena. 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 Yeah, very disturbing facts here. It says VH1 had a show not too long ago. The all-time number one one-hit wonder was the Macarena. It said, thank God for those two went into obscurity. And those two were? Uh, I don't know. Los Del Rio. Oh, yeah. Flamenco guitar duo from Seville, Spain, Antonio Romero Monge and Rafael Ruiz Perdigones. For a famed duo in the 60s, in 1993, they wrote and performed Macarena, which became a worldwide dance craze and was remixed by the Miami production team of the Bayside Boys. Remixed. So, in other words, Macarena Bayside Boys mix was the hit. I see. You following that? Keep in mind, Los Del Rio. Next time we do this, in fact, make a note. Okay. Los Del Rio. And also, uh, Tapao. Tapao. Macarena was, this is going to make you barf. Number one for 14 weeks in 1996. Does that tell you why the 90s sucked, huh? Yeah. Number one for 14 straight, long, laborious weeks. Macarena by Los Del Rio. The Bayside Boys mix from Miami, no less. Boy. How about Louie Louie? Not the song, but the group. Did you ever hear them? The group? Sitting in the lap of luxury, 1990. Medley of their hit. I'm just, you know, you can open up any page in this book, any artists, and you'll immediately find one. For example, Lost Boys, B-O-Y-Z, Renee, 96, got number 33 on the chart. Lord Tariq and Peter Guns, rap duo from New York, Deja Vu, Uptown Baby, 1998, reached number nine on the chart. 
Los Bravos. Here's one that we actually know. Black is black. Right. Well, maybe before you remember that. Sure. A rock group formed in Spain. I never knew that. Me either. Mike Kogel, vocals born in Germany. Tony Martinez, guitar. Oh, by the way, I have a song called F the Macarena. <laughs> okay. But uh, we'll have to find it somewhere. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's it's great. Tony Martinez, guitar. Manuel Fernandez played his organ. Miguel Danis, rhymes with anus, played the bass. And Pablo Gomez played the drums. Los Bravos, then put that down, too, for next to, to go around. Black is Black. Pretty big hit. Reached number four, 1966. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. We have a problem. We have a problem, Captain. Looking glass, brandy, you're a fine girl. Hate to break the news to you. Now, how does he do this? Can he do it? I guess he can do it. If he can add ones on, he can take ones off, Right. Right. Sorry, Eric, we screwed you up. Now, I got this off a list that somebody faxed me, and obviously the person who faxed me was full of crap, which often happens in this crowd. You know, people pretend they know something, they know nothing. Brandy was the number one song in 1972 for Looking Glass. Pop rock group formed in New Jersey, but Jimmy Loves Marianne made number 33, so they did have another hit. Not a big, gigantic, oozing hit, but if it made the top 40, it was a hit, right? Right. <clears throat> so it was on the charts for three weeks. He can blitz that out of there. Yeah, sorry about that, because at the moment it's uh, tied for a second. Right. With 18 votes. But there it goes. Any second now, Eric will make him disappear. Look through the looking glass one last time. See if Alice is still in there. Sorry. We can, we can just give their votes to Soft Cell. Yeah, let's put some more votes on there. They've only got 41. I mean, God only knows we want In fact, I just might play that till 1 o'clock just to goose them up some more votes. Because they need our help. I was never crazy about this song in the first place before the show today, but now, <laughs> but now. Sometimes I feel I've got to run away, I've got to get away from the pain you drive into, Lord, me the love. Thank you very much. Oh, here's some very bad news, by the way. From the Herald, Belize reject U.S. proposal to beam radio MRT signal. Not a shame. Are you kidding? Belize I, may be tiny, but it knows how to. But it knows how to say no. to Washington. Belize has flatly rejected a U.S. proposal to convert a Voice of America relay station to beam U.S.-operated radio Marti propaganda signals toward Cuba. The denial has dismayed Cuban American supporters of the radio station, who say the Belize facility might have helped Radio Marti sidestep efforts by Cuba to jam its signal. They're jamming it. And by the way, special hello to all our listeners in Havana and also, where do you think they can hear us in Cuba? You think in Havana? Absolutely. We got a few hits on there when you look in the domain thing on our website. We get a few. Not too many. My family members recall when QAM would play music. That when that's is what Diaz, they would to. amigos? To hell with Fidel. But Belize, a former British colony in Central America, sought to avoid getting ensnared in U.S.-Cuba frictions. It did not want to risk that Havana would retaliate by withdrawing more than 100 doctors and nurses it had sent to Belize. We don't want to get involved, said Vaughn Gill, a spokesperson for the Belize government. Belize has good relations with both Cuba and the U.S. Good thinking, Vaughn. The U.S. operates two AM radio transmitters near the town of Punta Gorda in the southernmost part of Belize. Punta Gorda? Why should we be the only ones? Yeah, some other we, we stole fat we, tip. we stole that name too. I bet you there's a two egg someplace else also. The transmitters send both English and Spanish Voice of America's broadcast throughout Central America each evening. As a sister facility to the Voice of America, Radio Marti was established in 1985 to offer an independent source of news and entertainment to Cubans. Radio Marti is beamed toward Cuba on AM from Marathon in the Keys and on shoreway from Greenville, North Carolina and Delano, California. 
Delano, California. Okay. Okay. I don't maybe, get it maybe it's by way of China. In late 2000, U.S. officials began scouring the Caribbean looking for an alternative broadcast site to send the signals of Radio Marti toward Cuba from a different latitude, making it more difficult for Cuba to block its signals. They went to the Turks and Caicos, they went to the Bahamas, and they went to the Caymans, said one official, insisting on anonymity. Then they noticed the Belize facility and quickly allotted $750,000 in the 2002 fiscal year budget to enhance the site. An appeal went out to Prime Minister Said Musa of Belize for permission to change the use of the facility. No one seriously expected Belize, an unspoiled nation popular with U.S. scuba divers and uh, Mayan archaeology buffs, to refuse. But two months ago, they did just that, setting tongues wagging around Capitol Hill about how the Bush administration took it on the chin from Belize. Oh, this is even more embarrassing than uh, Las Malvinas, you know what? Mm -hmm. Belize felt it had too much to lose since 1999. Belize had hosted an increasing number of Cuban physicians and nurses working in remote villages. Gill, the government spokesman, also noted that more than a 100 Belizean students are in Cuba on full scholarships, some of them studying medicine. As word arrived in Washington this spring that Belize might turn down the U.S. request, the State Department sent two diplomatic notes to Belmopan, Belize's capital. The second one was apparently sternly worded, the congressional staffer said. And you know what? They still said. No. How do you like that? All right. <laughs> let's, let's hear it for the balls in Belize, baby. Oh! Yeah. Just say no to Uncle Sam. Don't let him push you around. Don't let them make you a pimp like the middleman, like we'd like to do everybody else. Like to force them, coerce them, make them off they can't refuse to do our bidding. And they just said, no. good for you. 26 past 11 at 560 QM. We got the Mad Dog. Jim Manders is back today after a busman's holiday yesterday. We got Hank will be there at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Josh Friedman. Boy, there's a lot of poundage on this air today between me and Hank and Josh, you know. Marlins on deck at 730. Marlins at Kansas City, 805 tonight. Eddie K after the baseball game. And then Joe and Mark talking about sex and more sex overnight, 2 to 6, proving that George is small potatoes when it comes to sex. Is that all he talk about? Is that all they talk about? Yeah. Well, I know it's all you like talk twice. about. Yeah, I never heard their show. If you're tired of hassles with your cellular service, if you're tired of that $50 a month plan that you thought you purchased, which winds up costing you actually hundreds of dollars every month, then get on the team. Get with the right to move. Get with Team Celtech at Celtech Communications, your authorized Nextel representative. For over 25 years now, Celtech's been providing South Florida with the best service. They take away the hassle from dealing with a cellular company, not to mention all of that heavy-duty expense. Right now, Nextel Shared Rewards Plan will allow you to share 4,000 monthly minutes with free incoming calls for only $54.99. Celtech's got a, an unbeatable selection of other plans, no matter what your budget, with most including free incoming calls, nationwide long-distance caller ID, voicemail, and Nextel's unique direct connect to a radio feature. So whether it's one phone, a thousand phones, or a zillion, take it from me and our very own superstar spokesman, Jay Fiedler. Celtech Communications, your authorized Nextel representative, is the only smart way to go. Call 1-800-CELTECH-2 today and get yourself connected. That's 1-800-CELTEC-2. For Celtech Communications, keep... Grass, man, I'll tell you what. That is a stud hoss right there. Oh! Weekdays at 1 on Sports Radio 560. QAM. Point Take my cigar. And do the thing that turns me on. Wreck them. Oh! Come on now, baby. Those mac and noodles turn me on. Oh, yeah. And Garsha Vegas, too. That's my slut. 
slide it in there, baby. Oh, good thing you're wide enough to fit. Oh, yeah. Come on now, baby. Oh, I'll use my teeth to clip the tip. Oh, yeah. Now slide it up your butt. Oh, that's my slut. Rectum. Eleven thirty-two at five sixty WQM. Don't forget to log on to QM.com. Start playing the two hundred baseball trivia challenge. Weekly prizes include golf for four chulas. The grand prize is a trip for two to New York over Labor Day weekend to see the Marlins play the Mets. So log on and start playing at WQM.com. Here's a very emphatic fact that you know what I'm going to do at the end of this poll today. I'll save the results, and then when we get to uh, the ultimate eventual final one way down the road, yeah, we'll take we'll take the top five from each one. Okay. See what I'm saying? Now, I'm, I'm not saying that soft sell that maybe all of those 42 votes are legitimate, but uh, we have all sure. all three eyebrows raised. But anyway, very emphatic facts. Who says bar none the greatest one hit wonder of all time is? And didn't I mention this yesterday when I suggested we might do this poll? Yes. 96 tears by question mark and the Mysterians from Saginaw, Michigan. Oh! By the way, I thought I mentioned it again. Well, I'm not going to say it's the best of all time, but certainly, and it's doing pretty well. It's got uh, 13 votes. It's like in the top 10. Pretty good choice, pal, whoever the hell you are, whatever you are. A North Adams, Massachusetts man says he told church officials he was molested by the Reverend Richard Levine years be that's with a G. Richard Levine years before the priest was charged with sexually abusing boys and removed from his duties by the Diocese of Springfield, Mass. Well, there's sure a lot of crap going on in Massachusetts, you know it? Uh-huh. Paul Babu said he had a priest, a nun, and his brother tell the late Bishop Leo <laughs> O'Neill in 1986. What? That sounds like the beginning of a joke. A priest, a nun, and his brother. Are you making light of this? Sorry. You better, uh, you better ask the Lord for forgiveness, mister. You better start uh, clenching them rosary beads real tight. Domino for Biscom. You better stick another, uh, an extra wafer in your puss and have a couple extra glasses of wine just to be on the safe side. Paul Babu said he had a priest and none of his brother tell the late Bishop Leo O'Neill in 1986 that Levine molested him between the ages of 13 and 15. Babu was 17 at the time he'd be telling us. Standing by Babo at a news conference yesterday, the Reverend Eugene Honan and Sister Eunice Tessoni said they told O'Neill that Babo reported the abuse to them. We were assured Levine would never have contact with boys or be left alone with any children after that, said Babo, 33, a former Berkshire County commissioner who ran unsuccessfully for North Adams mayor last year. But from 1986 to his arrest in 1991, we know Levine was abusing and raping other boys. See, th this whole thing is so sad because these people should have been in jail. It's not a, it's not an internal question for these Goyim to decide, well, what should we do? Should we move him over here? Should we, like, restrict his uh, contact with young boys? You should uh, report it to the authorities and put his ass in jail. That's what you should do. Babo hasn't yet filed a lawsuit. He said he's speaking out because he thinks it'll help a Greenfield man, he says, was molested, molested by Levine and is suing the diocese. The man identified in court records only as John Doe says the diocese knew that Levine was abusing children and didn't stop him. Doe's lawyer, John Stabersky, filed a motion yesterday to get access to impounded records from the criminal prosecution of Levine. Stabersky says these documents will show that the diocese was negligent. 
In a prepared statement, the diocese acknowledged that O'Neill received a report that Levine was molesting a teenager. After a mental health evaluation of Levine, the diocese determined that the priest could continue his duties, the statement said. Can I read that sentence Please, again? could you? After a mental health evaluation of Levine, the diocese determined that the priest could continue his duties. Even though he was molesting a uh, minor, the diocese was aware of no further complaints concerning Father Levine until he was arrested in 91, the statement said. Levine, 61, pleaded guilty in 92 to indecent assault for fondling two altar boys. He was sentenced to 10 years probation and psychiatric treatment. Church officials banned him from ever serving as a priest in the Springfield Diocese. In 1994, the IC settled a lawsuit for $1.4 million with 17 alleged victims of Levine, including several from Springfield. Makes you want to barf. And this whole thing in Dallas starting Thursday, this dog and pony show that they're continuing, a lot of stupid people out there are going to be convinced, oh, look, at they're really, they're really uh, putting their uh, nose to the grindstone now. They're really doing it. All they're doing is try to cover their ass because this whole scandal is bad for business. Speaking of that, the appeals court justice who was considering whether the transcripts of Cardinal Law and Bishop John McCormick's deposition should be released immediately took himself off the case yesterday. Massachusetts appeals court Justin L. Dorfer issued a two-paragraph order recusing himself after a party whom he did not name was represented in the case by Palmer and Dodge. Dorfer was a partner at the Boston firm from 1981 to 90. Dorfer had given the Archdiocese of Boston and lawyers for plaintiffs seeking the public release of the transcripts until noon yesterday to file written arguments. He's referred the case to Chief Justice Christopher Armstrong for further action. It was not immediately clear what impact this would have on the release of the documents. Law and McCormick, Law's former aide and now bishop in New Hampshire, have sat for questioning under oath by lawyers for a man who claims retired priest Paul Shanley repeatedly raped him as a child. The lawsuit by the family of Gregory Ford claims Law failed to properly oversee priests in the Boston Archdiocese, as we well know. Shanley became a central figure in the ongoing scandal when church documents showed he publicly advocated sexual relationships between men and boys. Middlesex Superior Court Judge Raymond Broussard had ruled transcripts and videotapes of the deposition should be released as soon as they were uh, registered with the court clerk because they were of legitimate public concern. But the Archdiocese appealed, saying it should have 30 days to examine the tapes and transcripts for errors before they're made public. In other words, try to figure out how to cover their ass. The decision would have an impact on when the transcript of the future deposition of Bishop Thomas Daly is made public. Daly was being deposed yesterday in a separate church abuse case brought by alleged victims of defrocked priest John Gagan, who has been accused of molesting 130 kids in the Boston Archdiocese. He was scheduled to be questioned in the Shanley case later this week. Uh, not looking too good, you know what, for anybody with a brain. Of course, I would like to say this. Anybody with a brain wouldn't still be involved with that organization in the first place or any of this organized religion crap. I, ju I just have no patience for it anymore. How long can you be stupid, you know? How long can you go through life being professionally stupid? Oh, the good book says this, and the good book says that, and yeah. Living in the Stone Age. Technologically very advanced and emotionally, kind of like Amsterdam, you know? Or they, with them it's the other way around, that's right. right. They got it, they got it the right way. Socially advanced, technologically they're, they're lagging with that. Because they're not all concerned about all these, uh, you know, uh, strip shopping centers. They're not like us. Stupid. 21 till noon at 560 WQAM. You know, overweight's being stupid, too. Take it from me. I know I'm stupid. I'm fat. Not easy to lose that weight, but if you want to find a store that will help you with all kinds of great products that you can lose weight eating and still enjoy some good meals, here's the place, Delights of West Boca. And now that they've come out with Splenda, a lot of those diet products have dropped the sweeteners in there. You know, the maltitol and the sorbitol and the crap it all out of your system that really are harsh on your stomach. So now you can eat all kinds of good stuff without having to worry about spending all day on the pot. 
Delights of West Boca carries thousands of diet products, supplements, vitamins, diet books, everything you need to lose the pounds you thought were so damn hard to get rid of, and they really are. Delights also carries the largest selection of bakery products like pancake mix, breads, cookies, cheesecakes, brownies, muffins, and eclairs. And Delights also carries low-carbon, sugar-free products like pasta, sauces, ketchup, crackers, candy, champion-like chocolate, and their famous Carbolite ice cream. And head to the Delights of West Boca. You can try before you buy. Try anything in the store before you buy it. Give it a little taste. You can call them at 1-877-LOW-CARB or check out their website at lowcarb.com. Visit Delights of West Boca on the northeast corner of Glades and 441 in Boca. And be sure and tell them that neurotic PD lady sent you by. Delights of West Boca B, your official Atkins Retail Center. Guy, where there are no loosens. Go straight to hell. Weekdays at 3 on Sports Radio 560 QAM. Floridians, dumb as dirt. A holy man of the washed blood, pardon the law, altars, boys' bonds, pardon the law, altars. Boys bond. Wreck them. He banged young boys with a hot thrust. Pardon the law, alters. Boys bond. Pardon the law, alters. Boys bond. He's backed by the power of the Vatican to help him cover up. You know, as soon as I started playing that, I thought, there we go, here's another one-hit wonder. Guess what? <laughs> Wrong. I looked oh. it up. Good thing I got this book, you know, the Billboard book. Yep. Bobby Fuller 4, I Fought the Law, reached number 9 in 1966, but Love's Made a Fool of You, 1966, May of 66, uh, written in 1958 by Buddy Holly, by the way, before he died. <laughs> well, he could have written it after he died and, like, sent it from heaven. He's up there looking down. Why do people say stuff like that? They're weak. Oh, they're look. They're up there watching the game right now, like they had uh, Larry McCarty on there right now from the Red Wings. And he's talking about his father who died from cancer, you know, and his uh, grandfather and his, his uncle, and they're all dead. And, well, I'm sure they're up there watching the game up upstairs. They're watching down, you know. Why do people talk such crap? It's the same reason that people are still involved in all these goddamn religions. It's the same reason they go to Miss Cleo. And it's the same reason that every time you have a psychic or a goddamn uh, fortune teller on here, the phones are just about blow out. People are desperate to be conned. That's why that Miss Cleo thing is, is a shame. All these religious fakers on there with the goddamn toll-free numbers at the bottom of the screen so they can rip off your money, take your credit card. God. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, God. When are, you gonna, when are people finally going to wise up? Is it ever going to happen? No. I don't think so. Yeah, but that John Edward guy, he's for real. Yeah, there, there's another one. And uh, the, the, the stupid women who watch that crap, they can't get enough of it. I'm not so sure who's dumber. 
The people who watch that are the people who watch uh, Oprah or the people who believe in fairy tales like Jesus Christ. Things like that. I think they're all the same people. Yeah, probably right. Bobby Fuller for Love's Made a Fool of You reached number 26. So sorry, but uh, nice try. Now, what's going on with our poll? There's something strange going on here, Eric. I don't want to start picking on Eric, but this thing's been stuck on the same number of votes. Yeah, it's stuck at 276 for like the last 10 minutes. Since he took off Brandy, there's something bizarre going on. Don't tell me there's nobody else voting on this. Which of these one-hit wonders was bet? Soft sell, tainted love, 42 votes, which we're very dubious about. It could be number one, though, you know? Yeah, okay. I said it could be. It Mountain, could be. Mississippi Queen, 20. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit of the Sky, 18. Steam, Na Na Hey Hey Kiss Him Goodbye, and EMF Unbelievable, 15. Zagrin Evans in the year 25-25, 14. Question Mark and Mathurians, 96th tier, had 13. Blue's Image, Ride Captain Ride, Taco Putting on the Ritz, and Paper Lace Night Chicago, that each have 12. After that, it's pretty far downhill. Although John Sebastian, Welcome Back, Carter's got eight. And you know something? White Plains, My Baby Loves Lovin', we changed the name of that three times, and it still has no votes. Oh! <laughs> let's change it again. Maybe that'll help. Yeah, let's make up another name for it. Let's say it's by the Beatles. I'm not buying those taco results either, by the way. Why not? Because that's another crock. I can't imagine anybody actually liking that. See, this is the problem. When we take a poll that's subjective like this, and you don't want to accept the, uh, you know, the fact that a lot of people out there have got bad taste. I mean, Norman Greenbaum and Spirit in the Sky, if, th if that's in the same league with a lot of the other stuff, like Incense and Peppermints by the Strawberry Alarm Clock, or Hushabai the Mystics, which still has got only six votes, R. Dean Taylor, Indiana Wants Me, still stuck down there with three, with three freaking votes. Now, let's see if this thing changed on there. How many votes does it say on your uh, screen? 276. Yeah, and it, I just reloaded been, manually, too. It's been stuck on there for like ten minutes, Eric, and I know that there are other people voting on this thing. Gotta be. Something's very strange with our poll, okay? We got a strange poll today. 1148 at 560 WQM. Supreme Court shoots down gun appeals, testing individual rights to own firearms. Bad news. <clears throat> well, what do you expect from those fascists on the bench anyway, huh? The same people that gave you George W. Oh, sorry, Robert. What's wrong with Scalia? Yeah, exactly. Never met a fascist he didn't like. Maybe he knows some of the people in Sicilia, Scalia. The Supreme Court said Monday will not hear two cases that would have offered a test of the Bush administration's newly articulated position that the Constitution protects an individual's right to own guns. Without comment, the court turned down two men convicted of violating federal gun laws. The men had argued that the laws are unconstitutional because the Second Amendment gives Americans the right to keep and bear arms. The cases marked the first time that the Bush administration had told the Supreme Court that it has reversed a decades-old policy on the Second Amendment. Until now, the government has said the amendment protects a collective, not an individual, right to gun ownership. And the NRA is proud, baby. They love it. They're thrilled. They got their hands in both of Georgie's pockets. The distinction is important because gun laws necessarily restrict individual rights. The administration also said its new position does not undermine federal gun laws because the Second Amendment right is still subject to reasonable restrictions. Using that rationale, the administration urged the high court not to accept the appeals of Timothy Joe Emerson and John Lee Hanley. Both were properly convicted of violating laws the administration considers reasonable limitations of the gun rights. Solicitor General Ted Olson said, The Second Amendment reads a well-regulated, well, we know what it says. The Supreme Court interpreted that in 1939 as a protection of militia rights, not of individual ones. Decades of Justice Department policy rested on that which preceded most federal laws regulating who may own what type of gun. 
The current position of the United States is that the Second Amendment more broadly protects the rights of individuals, including persons who are not members of any militia or engaged in active military service or training, to possess and bear their own firearms, Olson wrote in footnotes attached to the filings in the Emerson and Hanley cases. That right, however, is subject to reasonable restrictions designed to prevent possession by unfit persons or to restrict the possession of types of firearms that are particularly suited to criminal misuse, Olson wrote last month. Olson, the administration's top Supreme Court lawyer, was reflecting a view that Attorney General John Ascroft had voiced last year in a letter to the National Rifle Association. The text and the original intent of the Second Amendment clearly protect the right of individuals to keep and bear arms, Ascroft wrote then. At the time Ascroft wrote the letter, it was unclear whether he was expressing his personal view or stating a new policy position for the government. That question was mostly answered last November when he sent a letter to federal prosecutors praising an appeals court decision that found the Second Amendment does protect individual rights, but noting that those rights could be subjected to limited, narrowly tailored specific exceptions. That opinion by the 50 West Circuit Court of Appeals went on to reject arguments from Emerson, a Texas physician, that a 1994 federal gun law was unconstitutional. The law was intended to deny guns to people under judicial restraining orders. In my view, the Emerson opinion and the balance it strikes generally reflect the correct understanding of the Second Amendment, Ascroft told prosecutors. The appeals put the Justice Department in an awkward position. Although the government won both cases in lower courts using the old interpretation of the Second Amendment, Ascroft had switched gears by the time the appeals reached the high court. Well, you better check with the NRA and make sure it's A-OK. Okay? Like Dennis James would say? Okay. Okay. Now, how's that thing coming? Is it still stuck? I'm reloading. Oh, it finally moved. See? Oh, yeah. There, were, there was something stuck on there. Stuck in the middle with you. Steeler's wheel. Yeah, great song. Did we, did we say that that qualifies? You have to look that up. That's the only hit that I know of, of theirs. We'll have to put that on there next time we do this, which I think will be a long ways down the... Uh, I don't know. I don't way, know just so you know, I'm throwing away uh, faxes of things that we already know about, people's suggestions that we already know about. They're already So in other words, we're getting a response on this? Or Yeah, well, a little bit. Or that they don't qualify, like B.J. Thomas, I'm sure, had more than one hit. B.J. Thomas? Are you people crazy? B.J. Thomas had a crap load of hits. Hooked on a feeling? Right. Rock and roll lullaby? They suggested uh, raindrops keep falling. That's the only raindrops they, keep falling on my thing. He had a he had a Schmidt load of hits. B.J. Thomas, Steelers wheel had Star. Sorry, stuck in the middle with you and Star. Don't you remember Star? No. Well, I do. I don't know how it goes, but I remember it uh, vaguely. Just to show you, you who who, who faxed that? That doesn't have a name. I want to trace that fax and get that person and just knock a little Scott. sense of them with a two by four. First hey Scott, Scott, get with it, Scott. You're probably a pretty good guy, Scott. Send some pictures. But Jesus Christ, God, is that frost my ass when we get something stupid like that. Jesus Christ. I'm so lonesome I could cry. Mama, Billy and Sue, the eyes of a New York woman, hooked on a feeling. Raindrops keep falling on my head, which is number one for four weeks. Everybody's out of town. I just can't help believing. Most of all, no love at all. Mighty Clouds of Joy, which wasn't a big hit, but probably the best record he ever made. You remember that? Yes. Oh, Rock and Roll Lullaby, which in, for my money is the second best song he ever did. Uh, hey, won't you play another Somebody Done Somebody Wrong song? Of course. Which also reached number one. And Don't Worry Baby, a remake of the Beach Boy. Oh, I had to I'm going to tell you something, folks. B.J. Thomas, who was raised in <laughs> Rosenberg, Texas, although he's not Jewish, is great. One of the greatest voices in the history of rock and roll. Is there and, any question about that? And Christian now, you know. I, I don't care about that. He can believe whatever fairy tales he wants. No, he has a great voice. I agree, but he's a uh, B.J. Thomas case. is great. And he probably had to become a born-again Christian because all those people kept asking him what the BJ stands for. But God, I mean, Scott, get serious. Although, you know something, these books are pretty damn expensive. 
I mean, that's the only way you're really going to know, although B.J. Thomas, you shouldn't own, Scott. Well, your first are money expense. about B.J. Thomas is every time you go to the record store and you see B.J. Thomas's greatest hits all over the place in the display rack. Yeah, there are not too many CDs out there with so-and-so's greatest hit. Oh, here's <laughs> Lauren, who's also a chronic faxer, who says, I don't know if it's on the current uh, list of one-hit wonders. I nominate uh, next time. The Boys Are Back in Town by Tin Lizzy. That's a good one. Yeah, Tin Lizzy. Did I say Tin Lizzy? You did. It says Tin Lizzy or Thin Lizzy, whatever the real name is. My favorite line in the song is, if that chick don't want to know, forget her. Well, that's good. The boys are back in town. They play that a lot at the uh, hockey games here in Toronto. Don't ask me why. Well, it's better than that stupid stomp and tie I don't, song. I don't think they're a one-hit wonder. They're not? Thin Lizzy. They had Jailbreak. Ah, Jesus. Here we least. go. You know, this book weighs about 400 pounds. I hate to break the news to you. This is a heavy-duty book that cost 38.95 Canadian, eh? Which is about 25 bucks U.S. This is a top 40 billboard book. Now, what is it I'm looking for? Thin Lizzy. Oh, 38 special! There's Jailbreak. Well, guess what? Didn't make the charts. Uh-oh. <laughs> he gives us that big dramatic uh, thing there, and uh, you're wrong. Well, it's funny that Boca Brian emailed me that one. But well, Boca Brian's full of crap, okay? Town. The Boys Are Back in Town reached number 12 in 1976. Rock group from Dublin, Ireland, Thin Lizzy. Phil Linott, vocals and bass. Brian Robertson and Scott Gorham, the guitars. And Brian Downey on the drums. Linott died in uh, 86 at the age of only 34. And we're not going to speculate as to why. So how do you like that, huh, Mr. Hotshot? There are one, so might make a note of that. Okay. Can I get to this one quick thing before we do the break? Moroccan okay. police have dismantled a terrorist cell with links to Osama, Yamama bin Laden's Al-Qaeda network, arresting three Saudi nationals, key government officials said yesterday. The three men were planning suicide operations against American and British warships patrolling the Strait of Gibraltar, the Moroccan officials said on condition of anonymity. The names of the suspects who were arrested in May were not released. The arrests were made with the help of intelligence services of several friendly countries, one of the officials told the AP. It's the first confirmation of a crackdown in Morocco since the U.S. and its allies launched a military campaign in Afghanistan to destroy al-Qaeda. In October 2002, suicide bombers in a small dinghy rammed the USS coal destroyer in a port in Yemen, blasting a hole in its side, as we know, killing 17 sailors. Okay, there you go. Oh, it also says in the last sentence, I guess I shouldn't throw it out, if al-Qaeda operatives are confirmed to be behind the attack, it would mark the terrorist group's first known successful operation outside the war zone in Central Asia since 9-11. We just mentioned that in passing. So Thin Lizzy uh, qualifies. Make sure we keep that on the list, okay. along with Tapao and all those. Uh, and B.J. Thomas, I, I'm, I'm distraught. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go out and buy me a B.J. Thomas CD today. All right. Just to show Scott a thing or two, okay, about music. 1157, Mighty Clouds of Joy was just, oh, Great. Just phenomenal. i got to hear it right now. Three minutes till noon at 560 WQM if your carpets look and smell like crap. Well, you know, we can uh, wring our hands in anguish about what slobs we are, but the fact of the matter is all the uh, guests, all the company, all the pets walking and back and forth, smearing all of that schmutz into the fibers of the carpet. Right now it's springtime again, which means time for good spring cleaning for your carpets, too, from our good friends at Dry Concepts. Nobody in the universe does it like them. That's why I use them in my house for over 20 years now. They take all the panic and the nervousness out of having your carpets clean because you know ahead of time they give you a written guaranteed price before they start the job. And by the time they get finished, your carpets look and smell just like brand new. They're dry in a couple of hours, and you're going to have the biggest smile on your puss you've had in a hell of a long time. So don't be fooled by those 599 scam specialists that leave your carpet soaked for two days and soak you an arm and leg at the end of the job. Treat yourself and your carpets to a real great spring cleaning today. In Broward County, call Dry Concepts at this number, 954-370-7778. 
954-370-7778. In Dayton, Palm Beach, call 1-800-248-5071. 1-800-248-5071. Please be sure and tell them that Neil told you to call. Clean today. Enter t- Agent. Ken Kaplan. Weeknights at 10 on Sports Radio 560. QAM. Hi, it's Steve Goldstein, but you can call me Geldy. Whenever I'm in town, I listen to... Wait a minute, I am in town. It's the 12th to 1 hour. Father's Day should be spent with that special man in your life. Head for the golf course. See you later. <laughs> a lot later. But what if dad isn't around on Father's Day? That's when you need to call Rent-A-Dad. Father's Day with your Rent-A-Dad starts early as he shows up unannounced at 6.30 to run his lawnmower right under your bedroom window. <sighs> what the? <laughs> Wake up! And when your Rent-A-Dad comes inside, he'll head straight for his favorite seat in the house to spend 25 minutes doing what every dad loves to do. Damn it, where's the plunger? And spending a day with Rent-A-Dad is just like spending it with your real dad. Get me a beer! Here you go, Rent-A-Dad. Now what took you so long? You'll never amount to nothing. I love you, Rent-A-Dad. Yeah, ditto. Now get your head out of the way you're blocking the screen. Make this Father's Day one that's just like every other Father's Day you've ever had with Rent-A-Dad. You know something? Maybe that's what I should have had. 1201 yep. at 560 WQM. It's our big noon to one hour. we got the Mad Dog Jim Manders is back today between the one and three. got Hank in studio at three o'clock. You know, I heard somebody yesterday talking to Hank about the uh, Belmont. Or no, Hank was talking about Andy Byer, who of course is considered the greatest uh, thoroughbred handicapper in all of the country, and they have the Byer ratings, the speed ratings, etc. and so on. He's written many books on thoroughbred racing and handicapping. But for Andy Byer or anybody to question that uh, War Emblem lost all chance to win when he stumbled out of the gate and nearly fell down on his ass, right on his nose, uh, I begin to wonder if Andy Byer ain't doing like magic mushrooms or something like that. Just like the humper said, uh, once that, that was it, that was the end. Anybody who knows even just a teeny tiny little bit about horse racing. But anyway, so this faxer who was uh, doing about Thin Lizzy and Tin Lizzy and the boys are back at the Glamour back in town. It says, to Pow, head Vulcan female ruler on Star Trek, she made Spock fight Kirk to the death when Spock needed to get laid or risk dying from green balls on his home planet. <laughs> I didn't know you could die from green balls. Oh, if you have it really bad. Spock's well, how about blue balls? Spock's woman had eyes for Kirk, and this fight would determine who would get her. Bones dragged Kirk so he'd appear to die during battle. Later on, when he Spock saw Kirk was alive on the Enterprise, he smiled for the only time ever on the show. How do you like that, huh? Oh! A little Star Trek trivia for you. God, is that boring stuff, you know? Yeah. Like uh, Bill Shatner said, get a life. But thanks for the great facts. Paul says, you know what Americans want? What do Americans want? Not money. Not getting laid. Four in five Americans would give up some freedoms to gain security. That's what they want, security. Oh. They want to be safe. Maybe we can all get together and eat at Louis in the Bronx where we'll be safe. And four in ten worry terrorists will harm them or their family in new Gallup poll shows. Four in ten worry that terrorists... See, this is the new deal now, since they got caught with their pants down, since all the whistleblowers came out of the closet. We got uh, scuba divers are going to get us, and we got the dirty bomb, and the clean bomb, and the neutron bomb, and the big bomb. Yeah, get everybody into a panic. And then, of course, we got those brilliant statements from people like Robert Mueller, who keeps saying, well, it's not a question of if, it's just a question of one, and there will be another attack, and there will be a nuclear attack. It could be in 10 minutes, it could be in 10 years, it could be in 100 years. Well, I mean, talk about covering your ass. This guy's even covering his ass for like uh, long before he's pushing up daisies. Is that incredible or what? It's very credible. 
About a third of those polled favor making it easier for authorities to access private email and telephone conversations. More than 70% are now in favor of requiring U.S. citizens to carry ID cards with fingerprints. And 77% believe all Americans should have smallpox vaccinations. I hate to break the news to you, though, but if you go on the Internet and find out that there's some very bad side effects from the current smallpox vaccine, I just I just mentioned that before you get whipped up into a frenzy. What a bunch of goose steppers the public is, you know? It was amazing the percentage of people who were willing to give up freedom to get back some sense of personal security, said Elaine Christensen, Senior Research Director for the Gallup Organization. These aren't people who were necessarily near the Twin Towers, near the Pentagon, near the Marab Building. These are just average people. The telephone survey conducted in March included 934 to compare results with the general population survey. The poll showed 8% of Americans are very worried and 31% are somewhat worried that they or someone in their family will become victims of a terrorist attack in the U.S. In New York City, the level of worry is higher. 19% said they're very worried and 34% said they're somewhat worried. Washington, D.C. and Oklahoma City reported levels of fear close to the national average. Scientists involved in the poll said they were not surprised many Americans remain fearful after September the 11th. The magnitude of the event was just so profound, said Carol North, a psychiatric professor at Washington University in St. Louis, who said talk of the war in Afghanistan, airline security, and terrorist threats is propelling the fear. And you know who's doing the propelling? I give up. The media? Uh, yeah, there you go. The media is sick and needs help badly. Yeah, I was going to give you like a little clue there from good old Tammy Faye. And I hope Carlos has a wonderful life with Tammy Faye. I hope they elope together. Birds of a feather. Oh, and, and speaking of that. This next story from the Boston Herald. Save boy's life, says parents denied food. Say it again. Cult aunt, aunt. Okay. And when you look at that, you see all the letters are in there. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Yeah. Cult. See, save that for your show, okay? We're not going to do gratuitous filth on this show because of the fact that, uh, that you know, you're just a, a pervert. We're not going to do that. What was it? Cult. Taunton Mass, the maternal aunt of a baby boy who starved to death because his ultra-religious parents would not feed him solid food, testified yesterday that she pleaded with the child's father to resume feeding him. Remember this story? Uh-huh. Only days ago. It made me sick. Well, it'll make you even sicker. Renee Horton said her brother-in-law, Jacques Robodeau, defended the decision to feed the baby exclusively from his mother's breast by saying, This is from God. This is what we have to do, and we have to have faith. Like I told you, the religious people are the crazy people. Like that. Karen was pregnant, unable to produce milk for her son, and Jacques Robodeau, 29, is on trial for first-degree murder for letting the 11-month-old boy starve over a two-month period. Samuel Robodeau and another sect child who was stillborn eventually were unearthed from a makeshift grave in Baxter State Park in Maine. Karen Robodeau faces a second-degree murder charge in an upcoming trial. In April 99, after Samuel had become so weak he could barely move, his mother called a prayer meeting of the separatist religious sect based in Seekonk. Karen wanted to pray for Samuel as a group. Her sister Renee, also a member of the sect, testified in Bristol Superior Court. The morning after the prayer session, Jacques Robodeau announced to the group that Samuel is sleeping with God, according to the testimony of Renee Horton's husband, Daniel, who was also a member of the sect. About a month earlier, Daniel Horton testified, Jacques Robodeau had heard a radio news report about a New York woman whose baby died while eating nothing but breast milk. Horton said Robodeau considered the news report an attempt by Satan for sterilization. I know that Samuel is not going to die, Horton said, Jacques Robodeau told him at the time. Well, guess what? <laughs> Wrong. As he has since the trial began a week ago, defense attorney Francis Oboy cross-examined the witnesses to emphasize his contention that his client was being manipulated by sect founder Roland Robodeau, Jacques' father. 
The other Robodeau ostracized the group members, almost all of whom were his own extended family, if they ignored the teachings or leadings from God, according to witnesses. Like that, crazy. In this case, Jacques Robodeau's sister, Michelle Mingo, had claimed that God told her in late February of 99 that Samuel should take nourishment only from his mother. When Karen Robodeau initially balked at changing her healthy son's diet, Jacques told her, if someone has a leading, we have to take it as if the Apostle Paul had said it, and we have to... Yeah, that's why, because he's just playing stupid, like all the uh, religious nuts. Shortly after the death, Daniel Horton and his wife and children left the sect. Although they clearly felt that what had happened to Samuel was wrong, the Hortons still were torn by the decision to leave the group. Roland considered the group to be God's camp, Horton said. The attitude of the group was, if you left, you're leaving God. How do you like that, huh? Like I said, the religious people are the crazy people. Speaking of the Hortons, by the way, from Days of Our Lives... Yeah. All you guiding light people, all two of you that we have left in the audience. Isn't that great? We got the, uh, not the original Ed Bauer, but the last Ed Bauer finally came back from Africa, oh, and Mindy, oh, and Rusty, oh. and all the other Goyam came back for the uh, big Reva and, uh, Reva and, uh, what's his name, uh, Josh's 85th time they got married. But there's trouble in, uh, in paradise, I'll tell you that right now, because at the end of the show yesterday, Olivia's up to world tricks, and the lights go out. <clears throat> Getting pretty heavy duty. And now, and now here's, Here's Julian, the multi-billionaire, who now, of course, is uh, in hell or somewhere. But uh, he's running around with like a little knapsack on his back, along with Timmy and his knapsack and little Toto. How come Toto don't have a knapsack, goddammit? Speaking of depressing stories, Griffin, Georgia, a Georgia woman's accused of fatally shooting her two middle-aged sons Saturday night at a small-town nursing home. Carol Carr, 63, who faces double murder charges, was a frequent visitor to Sunbridge Care and Rehab Center in Griffin, where sons Michael Randy Scott, 42, and Andy Byron Scott, 41, lived for the past four months, Griffin Police Sergeant James Landham said. Both suffered from an undisclosed long-term degenerative disease, Landham said. Carr of nearby Hampton shot the men with a small caliber handgun shortly after 9 p.m., Landham said. Arrested by the officer responding to the call, the mother said she shot her sons because she didn't want them to suffer anymore, police said. She went freely and voluntarily with the police when he arrived, didn't show any violence toward anybody else. Landon within an hour of each other. Grief counselors were on hand uh, over the weekend to work with patients, their families, and employees. Nursing Home Administrator Chuck Brown said, Right now we're just concerned with helping our residents get over this and working with our employees, he said. How do you like that? She put them out of their suffering, out of their pain and misery. A lot of people would like to put, you know, some of their siblings out of their misery. Right, George? I love all my siblings. <laughs> I do. How about your mother? Oh, her. Well, I'm talking about I could put her out of all of our misery. Yeah. All of our siblings. Twelve minutes afternoon at 560 WQM. It's about 172 degrees. If you, like, stick your head out the window, you'll probably pull it right back in a heartbeat. But Oleomed is a product that if you keep taking it, it can help you feel your best all year round, even during the unbelievably hot and unacceptable summers in South Florida. The heat, the humidity makes you feel like you want to pass out. But Oleomed will make you feel your best, like I said only moments ago. Oleomed is a soft gel capsule that contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil along with vitamins and minerals and herbals to promote health for your prostate, for your heart, for your blood pressure, for your cholesterol. Oleomed's also got supplements to promote health in your circulatory system, your digestive and endocrine system, your skin and bones, even your mind, all using the benefits of the best olive oil on the face of this globe. And Oleomed's got products for men and ladies, too. Oleomed's available right now as I'm speaking at Walgreens, Whole Food Markets, Navarro Pharmacy, and Sedano's as well. Oleomed is a stupendous and exciting new product. If you'd like to get more information about what it is, what's in it, what it does, and how you do it, where to stick it, just call their toll-free number. They'll be happy to answer all your questions. Call 1-866-OLEOMED. 
That's one eight six six O L E O M E D. And you can order their products right off their website if you prefer at oleomedamerica.com. Boosty. The Joe and Mark Show. Overnights on Sports Radio 560. QAM. Jim Mandich, I am a pussy. Crossing Overs, John Edward, knows that losing a loved pet can be rough. Now, John is reaching out to your dearly departed pooches in Crossing Rover. Okay, I'm seeing uh, a dog. Yes, yes! It's some kind of a hound. It right? was a poodle! Yeah, a poodle hound, right? Oh, that's amazing! Crossing Rover. If a pet has passed, John Edward will make contact. Okay, I'm getting a vision. I see a uh, black... White! White, white! He's white. She's white! Yes, 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 she's a white... Terrier! Yes! She wants you to know everything's okay. She's in heaven now and drinking out of St. Peter's toilet. Oh, Muffy! Crossing Rover with John Edward. Now your dead pets are just a phony psychic away. Hey, we got some good news for you on our poll today. We got a whole bunch of one-hit wonders on there, and this is the first of several polls we're going to do on this, like about 6,000. Oh, the Joe Jeffrey Group, My Pledge of Love. Oh, Who? write that down, please. All you don't right. remember the Joe Jeffrey group? My, this is my pledge of love to you. What year was that? Fifty something. Sixty-nine. Born in Buffalo, New York, Joe Jeffrey, R&B singer and guitarist. My pledge of love was uh, up to number fourteen, but that was big. It was on the charts eight weeks. You'd recognize it if you heard it. Mark, sure. mark that down for one day or next time. My pledge of love. Yeah, Joe Jeffrey. My baby loves loving. Which we finally got the name right. Got a vote. Oh, it's got one. White plains. Right. Oh, we don't want to get too carried away, but it got one. It's got as many as human beings and alive and kicking. Speaking of alive and kicking, jailed ex-school teacher Mary Kay Letourneau is now set to marry the student she first had sex with when she was just twelve years when he was just twelve years old. Let's hear it. Incredibly. How do you pronounce this name? Fulau. Is that it? That's what they kept saying during the trial. F-U-A-L-A-A-U. God, there's a lot of letters in there, eh? L. Awful lot of vowels in there, eh? Vili Falau, who fathered two girls with a now 40-year-old blonde during the course of their illicit affair, has turned 18 and now wants to marry this scandal-tarred beauty insider. Say, yeah, beauty. (laughs) (laughs) Why why do they do that? Beauty rhymes with duty, which is just what she looks like. They're very much in love, reveals a pal of Mary Kay. She's never wavered about wanting to marry Vili, and now he's decided that she's the only woman for him. Probably the only woman that would touch him. Man, is he grotesque or what? Yes, quite. It could be a midsummer jailhouse wedding, and they plan to make a video of the ceremony and sell it worldwide. And probably a bunch of suckers out there will buy it. Probably even some of you would buy it. But before the odd couple can tie the knot, Vili has to petition a judge for permission. Mary Kay is currently serving a seven-and-a-half-year sentence in the Women's Day Prison at Purdy, Washington. When she was a 34-year-old teacher and a mom of four children with then-hubby Steve, the judge banned her from seeing her boy lover for life. But Billy is now an adult. Could ask for that ruling to be overturned, explained Seattle attorney Ann Bremner, who is a friend of the jail teacher. It probably would be because there's legal precedent. A male teacher was jailed in Washington State for having sex with a female student, was allowed to marry her, and was released from prison. That's a bright ray of hope for Mary Kay, they say. Ironically, Billy and his mom Suna lost a lawsuit May 20th in which they accused the Highline School District in Kent, Washington, of failing to protect him from sexual abuse at the hands of Mary Kay. <laughs> Man, not that we got too many crank lawyers out there filing all kinds of wild lawsuits. They lost a lawsuit May 20th when they accused the school district
At the trial, he testified, I loved her, at least I thought I loved her, but now he's changed his tune, say sources, and is determined to marry the bitch, uh, marry her. One cloud in the odd couple's future is Mary Kay's health. She has a job in the prison library, works on art projects, and is captain of the prison volleyball team, but she's also undergoing tests to see if she's got cancer, says her ex-husband Steve. Still, all the shamed ex-school teacher can talk about is marrying Villy, and after her release, moving with him and their kids, Audrey 5 and Lexus 3, to France or Hawaii. She's already planning her wedding dress, says the pal. She's told friends she can't wait to walk to the altar, even in the prison chapel. Oh, I see. He's Hawaiian, huh? That's why he's got all those oh, A's exactly. in his name. Now, I've been in Hawaii many, many times, and I got news for the only, the only really grotesque people there are like the uh, sumo wrestler kind of guy, you know what I'm talking about? Right. The big, right. fat tubs. But uh, I guess he's one of them without the body, you know, with all the fat. <laughs> give, give him time. He's got makes me look like um, Robbie Benson. <clears throat> oh, speaking of Billy, ode to Billy Joe, Bobby Gentry. Now, did we decide she had another head? You had to look it up. Uh, I'm telling you, man, I'm getting a hernia. I'm filing a lawsuit against Billboard for making such a heavy book. Bobby Gentry. Now, didn't I, wasn't I playing that this morning? You were. Well, where the hell did I have that? <laughs> you got me. Well, what do you mean I got you? I don't know what you had it from. We have some interlude music, though. Well, guess what? It doesn't qualify anyway. Oh, Band of Glow, Feet of Pain. Excellent. Isn't that on our thing today? Probably not doing all that well. Good yeah. song. Now, what am I looking for? The Ode to Billy Joe? I'm probably just as well if I don't find it. Oh, and guess what? It's right before Runaway 67 by Del Shannon. I think it was just after that that he blew his brains out, after he recorded that piece of crap. About Runaway 67, you can't do anything else right. And he said, yeah, that's a good idea. Hey, Robbie. Robbie just done it with some old guy. Was it third of June, another sleepy, dusty Delta day? Don't jump, Robbie. You're a young man. you got your whole life ahead. I was out chopping cotton and my brother. So how many times do we have to hear that his uh, grandfather was the first rabbi in the state of Texas? Isn't that getting a little bit old? Uh, uh, I didn't know that. Well, now, you, you just learned that. More very startling information on the Neil Rogers Show. Well, that's because you're anti-semantic. Oh. Bobby Gentry, Oda Billy Joe, was number one for four weeks in August of 67. Then she also had Let It Be Me with Glenn Campbell. Fancy. I remember Fancy. That was, And then All I Have to Do is Dream, which she sang with Glenn Campbell, and ripped off the Everly Brothers, and we're still ever forgive her for that. That freaking bitch. Get out of here, Bobby. Go back and jump off the bridge with Robbie. Robbie Benson, who just turned 92, I should point out. How old do you think he is? He's got to be 45, at least. Oh, is that the... And you know something? The sad part of it is he probably still looks the same. He does. He's one of those people who never broke out of his childhood and always... He always looked the same, which is probably why he couldn't get, like, any serious roles. Remember he played the rabbi's kid or something like that in one movie? I saw that movie. The baseball one, the one that starts out there playing stickball or something like that? I don't know. I didn't see it. And then he was in a movie with the monkey. And he was in that basketball movie, One on One. That was a pretty good movie. I, I mean, one. you know. Huh? You didn't see one-on-one? -on -one? No, I'm talking about the one with the monkey. Where he told the uh, coach to stick it with a red-hot poker, to stick it like up his uh, ass. Speaking of uh, John Gotti, and somebody should tell the examiner he's dead. I realize I clipped this out before he died, but, you know, considering they have all those psychics in the tabloids, wouldn't you think they would know ahead of time that he was going to die yesterday? I sure knew it. Boy, I got that inspiration to read that Gotti story almost, almost the minute that he died. Do you get ten like minutes later, it probably took, it took ten minutes for the uh, psychic... The show today. Okay. I'm, I'm serious. Health facts. No, no, I, I don't wish any ill health on anybody in the world, but in this case, 
I'll make an exception. Just like Michael and the Godfather, just this one time, I'll make an exception. And the reason being, not not that we uh, not didn't hate Pete Bolger enough before yesterday, but now we find out Phil Latsman. got fired by Pete Bolger over there at IOD and INZ. Phil Latsman, who's kind of like an innocuous guy, he knows a little bit about sports, he never stole a freight train, he's not a troublemaker, he's a pretty decent guy. Phil Latsman. And he gets stabbed in the back by Pete Bolger, the assassin, over there at Cheap Channel. So before the end of the show today, we're going to put a goddamn voodoo hex, a curse, on Pete Bolger. Because if he gets struck by a bolt of lightning, if he should drive off the edge of the Etzelford Expressway in Detroit, if somebody should run him over crossing the street, then, then I'll say, All right. Anyway, getting back to the mob. Uncle Vito needs you. And now more than ever, now that John Gotti's dead. Help wanted, can you shoot a bullet in the back of somebody's head? Can you run gambling and extortion operations? Are you good at blackmail and driving a getaway car? Can you cram lasagna into your mouth and say, forget about it at the same time? If your answers are yes, then here's a job for you. The mafia is looking for a few bad men to take over for dead and If you must. I, yeah, I think I probably will do it since it's my goddamn show. I think that's what I'll do. I don't want to rush through it because we savor every little uh, tidbit, everything about the mob. We love the mob on this show, don't we? What you have to do is call Financial Group at 1-800-940-5363. That's 1-800-940-5363. To be more specific, you can get a hundred grand with payments of only... ...to keep you in on all the action from your worldwide leader in sports. Sports Radio 560, QAM. Got to keep your jots and straight here. With his trusty Conica, took shots of Areola. He compared their nipple size. With his camera, said he had shots of Anna, but he must have scored some dupes. They were someone else's boobs. This guy is a major tool. At first, he thought it was Jewel. Never checked the lady's face. That's why he's in this court case. He's a freaking fool, a quack. They should take his camera back. None of this makes any sense. What's with the nipple defense? It's a freaking crock. Wait, 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 please, please. I thought it was the tennis girl. I saw her laying there on the beach and I said, that's gotta be Anna Kodakova's boobs. It's gotta be. Hope they make him pay millions. Cause he shot the wrong melons. And approved that they weren't hers. They were Bennett knockers. What a big bonehead. Okay, okay, got a look in a book here for a million different things now. They're coming on the facts. Did these just all start coming in like uh, recently or what? Well, like I said, I was sorting out the ones that uh, we already had. Okay, Brownsville Station smoking in the boys' room, which we also talked about off the year before the show, but guess what? It's, uh, sorry, Frank. Right. Kings of, these... of the, uh, Kings of the Party reached number 31, so they had another hit. Sorry. Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant. Do you remember that? Yeah, it was on MTV for a while. Uh, Reggae-sounding, kind of. Oh. Well, let me see. Here's Amy Grant. Here's Earl Grant. Here's Eddie Grant. And guess what? <laughs> Romancing the Stone. Oh, yeah, from the like movie. Like my mother said, what's that movie all about? She got very upset when she heard the name of that movie. 
<laughs> well, you can only use your own. Uh, you see, you're supposed to be a pervert, and I'm, of course, uh, a self-proclaimed pervert, and yet she hears the name of a movie, Romancing the Stone, and right away she's there, oh, what's that about? Yeah. Her mind is filthier than both of us. Yeah, that's put right. Together. She's got a filthy mind, Ma. Electric Avenue was number two for five weeks by Eddie Grant, but he don't make the, uh, okay. Here's one that uh, does make it. Tom Cochran, Life is a Highway. Remember that? Yeah, and I'm writing well, it down. I looked it up already. That was a medley of a smash. Tom Cochran. How do you spell that? C O C H R A N E. Okay. Similar to, but not a match with uh, Johnny Cochran. It says, "Can you tell me the name of the Billboard One Hit Wonder Book?" Uh, well, I don't have the One Hit Wonder Book. I mean, I'm, I'm reading from the Billboard the Top 40 uh, Hits book, which is a big, fat, thick. It's big and it's fat and it's thick in a book to over 800 pages. But there is, in fact, if you go to that website, what is it, the website that Eric was touting? That he finally now took you off ask the... me. Huh? I just I just had it up there on the website too. Well, go to one the hit wonders one hit wonder central dot com, all one word. No, as a matter of fact, just do a search for one hit wonders. And on there, one of the things that'll come up is the billboard, the book. You can order it right off of there from Amazon, or just just go to amazon dot com if you want. Either way. And you can order the uh, book, because I can't find it myself, and the book either. And let's see, it says, Go Red Wing Kicks her Hurricane Asses. That's right, get it over with already on Thursday. And how come they got two days off for the TV networks again? Jesus Christ, get it over with. As much as I'm a hockey fan and I love it, first of all, Carolina makes me ill, not just because they beat the Leafs, because they're boring. They're coma-inducing. They, they, And even though the ratings are up both in the U.S. and in Canada, eh? Don't ask me why, because they've played some of the most terminal hockey I've seen in my life. All those one nothing and two to one and oh God. Any real fan wants to see some goal scored, god damn it. Not this ponderous uh clutch and grab and trap crap. Anyway, get it over with, please. Thursday, Detroit. Thank you. Let's see. Mississippi Queen by Mountain. Oh, here we go again. Just when I put the book down, I gotta pick it up again. I feel like goddamn Al Pacino. They insist he's nuts, not a one-hit wonder, Mountain and Mississippi Queen, because of this and because of that. So let me look it up, okay? Do we agree we'll uh, abide by whatever it says in the book Whatever here? it says in the book. Mountain, Mississippi Queen, their only hit. Oh, I didn't know this. Felix Papillardi played guitar, was a member of the group, and then, of course, went on to be with the Rascals. Did you know he was shot to death on 4-17-1983 at the age of 44? No I idea. Never, I never knew that. Oh, my God. Felix Papillardi, the young rascals. I, I don't think I'm ever going to be the same again. It says it's not really a one-hit wonder. The group with guitarist Leslie Weston, keyboard man Felix Papillardi had many classics. For example, Yasgur's Farm, Woodstock, Boys in the Band, Nantucket Sleigh Ride. Papillardi wrote dozens of classics with the rascals. Leslie West was one of the great guitarists of the era. Well, let's see. Glitter Rock, where am I? Male hard rock group in New York City. Leslie West, vocals and bass. Felix Papillardi, guitar. Steve Knight, keyboards. And Corky Lang, drums. Papillardi was shot to death, like I said, 83. But that was their only hit, Mississippi Queen. So we stand by it, okay? For once, we got it right. Just this one time, we got it right. Here's another one. Starlight Express, Afternoon Delight. Oh, boy. Yeah, exactly. That's my feelings. But I'll look it up. I, I think it qualifies, though. Now, you would imagine so, after remember that piece of... I mean... Brenda K. Starr, no, no here's avoiding. Edwin Starr, Buddy Starcher, Starland. Here's one for you that I found by accident. Yeah. Starland Vocal Band, Afternoon Delight. <laughs> they have the wrong name of the group. It's not Starlight Express. It's the Starland Vocal Band. Oh, they do have Starlight Express on this. Yeah. Thing, don't they? Hey, Joel, you got you know you're like partly right. Better you know. 
I mean, get with it, Joel. What about that Brothers Johnson? Why, probably pretty big. <laughs> I thought they had other songs than that. Hey, I'm busy uh, cleaning my foot up. You know what I just did? Do you ever cut your uh, ankle with like a, the sharp uh, nail of a Any, toe? Uh, not with my toe, no. Other things. Sharp other things. Are you bleeding all over the uh, just, place? No, not all over the place. Just a little bit. I'm just doing a little cleaning up job down there, okay? Just relax. It's not a big deal. Mount Sinai is well, only, uh, you know. Anyway, Starland Vocal Band, Afternoon Delight, was number one for two weeks. That was a medley of their smash pop group formed in Washington, D.C. Bill and wife Taffy Danoff, John Carroll and future wife Margot Chapman. Bill and Taffy, in front of the folk quintet Fat City, back John Denver on Take Me Home Country Roads, hosted their own TV variety series in 77, won the 1976 Best New Artist Grammy Award. Afternoon Delight, number one for two weeks in 76. Hate it. And now we got to look up the Brothers Johnson. I don't want to see the Brothers Johnson. <laughs> Just the thought of it. Here you go. Nah, they got all they had stomp and stubborn under 23 and get the funk out of my face and I'll be good to you. That's funk with an N, by the way, just in case. Face. So thank you very much. Can I get back to my story about the mob wants you? Because probably a lot of people out there, if they're not going to call fast train, maybe they can call the mob. Experts say ranks of New York's five organized crime clans have dropped from 634 soldiers to a mere 570 full-time goombas. Mob bosses like John Gotti are in the big house. It says, guess what? <laughs> Dead. While others have turned into songbirds for the feds, not to mention those who've gone to the big crime cloud in the sky. And something's got to be done. You have to inject blood into the family, says the source. Insiders say two of the top clans, the Genovese and Lucchese folks, have officially opened the books hoping to induct new members. You can also apply to the Columbos, who lost 26 good fellows in recent years, or the Bananos, who've seen five of their guys, made guys go missing. The De Cavalentes, the New Jersey-based group of no good nicks on which they're based, they base the Sopranos, already are on a recruiting drive that's added eight new hoods to their books. But they still need more help to carry out their notorious enterprises. That's why they're putting the word out on the street. How do you apply, I wonder? Facts of resume. It's not easy to become a good fellow, though. First, your name has to be circulated around through the bosses, and that may take a little while, considering a lot of them are doing time in the pen. If you get the okay from underworld mob figures, you have to go through official initiation process, and we're not take, talking secret handshake here. The ceremony includes burning a saint's picture in the bleeding palm of an inductee as he takes the oath of omerta, a vow never to divulge details of the family's business. Because if you do, you'll be sleeping with the fishes. There's no buyout package or 401k plan in this biz. And don't forget a nickname if you're an accountant whose real moniker is William Nelson. Forget about it. On your mob application, try something like Willie the Cruncher Nelson. Maybe then you'll stand a chance. Love those nicknames. <clears throat> oh, here's some good news, finally. Two pieces of good news. Well, we had the bad news about Radio Marti. Here's some good news. Miami Beach will add to its reputation as the capital of the Latin music industry this fall when South-based... South Beach-based MTV Latino America premieres the MTV Music Video Music Awards Latino America Jackie Gleason Theater. All right. A Spanish-language version of the parents' uh, network's popular and trend-setting MTV Video Music Awards, the show will reflect the growing popularity of Latin rock and pop. Approximately 80% of the award categories will feature Latin American artists who make up three-fifths of the performers. The live broadcast of the October 24th award show will be available in 12 million households in Latin America and made available to MTV's other networks in the U.S., Europe, and Asia, which will have a worldwide reach of 382 million homes. What's the date for that? October 24th. I'll be back in South Florida. Maybe we can go there. Well, you can take my ticket. Okay. 
MTV Latin American president Antoinette Zell said the industry. Oh, by the way, congratulations to Enrique. He finally said, you know, he finally figured it out. Like Britney, he's doing the Britney thing now. No, forget about singing anymore. He's just selling his sex. That's all. Selling his body. I think they have a word for that. MTV Latin American president Antoinette Zell said the industry synergy and civic support in South Beach, where the channel's been based since launching in 1993, made it an ideal spot to kick off the show. There's so much talent and labels are here, she said, and the city's really been fabulous since our inception from finding us real estate to helping us with the show. As with the U.S. MTV Music Awards, most winners will be determined by votes from viewers. Charlie Singer, the show's executive producer, said nominees, performers, and awards categories will be announced in the next few weeks. Miami Beach Mayor David Dermer said the MTV event is an important addition to the city's reputation and economy. There is some, this is uh, basically solidifying the fact that Miami Beach is the entertainment capital of the Americas and the center of Latin American music industry, Dermer said. It's probably the single largest music event ever to be broadcast from the city. These special events give us recognition that advertising can never buy. I keep hearing that South Beach is on the way out. You hear that? All the time. Everybody's selling out. Everybody's moving. All the big stars moving out. I just mentioned that so that what's-her-name can, uh, you know, Barbara Cabotman can spin around her grave a little bit. Now, we didn't need gambling, Barbara. We got Art Reco, baby. 1241 at 560 WQM. What you do need if you want to feel good about yourself and, uh, you know, be in good health is a good mattress because there are few things in life better for you than a good night's sleep. If you want to get a great night's sleep every night for years to come, call my good friends at Dial a Mattress anytime you need to get rid of the old, lumpy, worn-out mattress. You'll be instantly connected when you call 1-800-MATTRESS to an expert vetting consultant whose only job is to hook you up with the best brand-name mattress. You want a king, you want a queen, you want a twin, whatever the hell you want. They got it for you, and of course, they got all the top brands, too. Serta, Sealy, Simmons, and King Coil, the best makers of mattresses in the universe. And when you call Dial a Mattress at 1-800-MATTRESS, you pick the day in the two-hour window for your delivery seven days a week when it's convenient for you, when you're going to be home, not when they feel like you're getting around to it. And don't forget, also, Dial a Mattress gives you that unparalleled 30-day home comfort guarantee so you can test a new mattress the white right way by sweeping on it. No store in the world can match their everyday low prices either. So pick up the phone today, and you'll be sleeping very, very soon, just like a child. Call 1-800-MATTRESS, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on the... Howard, David, and Steve Goldie-Goldstein. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 on Sports Radio 560. Oh, oh my God. Twelve forty-six at five sixty WQM. Mad Dog back today after Joe Rose was in yesterday stealing our program logs. Here's a fact that says, and you know, it's amazing how. Yeah, granted, we make plenty of mistakes, and we'll be the first ones to tell you when we screw up, which we do a lot. But this one says, "Alive and kicking is Tommy James." Well, guess what? Tommy James ain't got nothing to do with alive and kicking. Pop rock group from New York City. Pepe Cardona, male vocals, Sandy Toder, female vocals, John Parisio, guitar, Bruce Sedano, organ, Thomas Wilson, bass, and Vito Albano. This sounds like a new mob family, don't it? Vito Albano, drums. Sedano later married Donna Summer and was a member of Brooklyn Dreams. But Alive and Kicking and Tighter and Tighter, which reached number 7 in 1970, that was a medley of their smash. Tommy James had nothing to do with that. 
What, what does that mean? I don't know either. Do you think maybe that was the name of one of his songs, Tommy James and the Shondells, Alive and Kicking? It might have been. Maybe that's what they meant. Let's see. Uh, no, it was not. So I don't have no idea who wrote this. Jeannie C. Riley, Harper Valley PTA. That's a good one. Yep. But I think she had something else. Not that big, but on the heels of it. How do you spell Jeannie C. Riley? She's spelled with an R-E-I. No, seriously, that's not... No, R-E-I-L-L-Y. No. Is what I would guess. No. How about just R-I-L-E-Y? It's kind of boring, but... All right. Uh, Leanne Rhymes. Jeannie C. Riley. Good one. Redeemed yourself on his facts. Write that down for next time. Number one for week in 1968. Harper Valley PTA. A medley of her smash. Written by Tom T. Hall, no less. Also, it says Bobby Bland also had Let the Little Girl Dance and Turn on Your Love Light. And I'm trying to think, why is he uh, writing about Bobby Bland? And you want to know why? Why? Maybe I misspoke when I was talking about Montego Bay and I said Bobby Bland. Bobby Bloom had Montego Bay, not Bobby Bland. Okay, you must have misspoke because it's right here on the CD and uh, we've been reading yeah. it off the CD. Bobby Bloom. Bloom. Okay, got it. How about Speaking Brian Bloom? How's he doing? Somebody said something about when we were talking about the Cavalier, or when you were talking about uh, one of the young rascals. What? Felix Cavalier, yeah. Felix Cavalier is the guy, but you were saying some different name because that's what the facts said or something? Yeah. Mandich called up and uh, was correcting us on that. And corrected us on what? Because we were, you were saying some different name other than Felix Cavalier. Oh, my God. Time to butt out. Time to stick with Tom Brady, okay? He'd probably like to. Anyway, now, speaking of Bobby Bloom, see, it's amazing. The one thing I love about these Billboard Top 40 books, not only do they have artist by artist, all of their hits, and then you go in the back and they've got them alphabetically by the name of the song. If you want to know the title of the song, you see who the artist was. All kinds of good stuff, all kinds of charts. But under each artist, they've got, for example, in the groups, they have the name of each member and if they're still alive, things like that. Bobby Bloom, born in 1945 in New York City, Died from an accidental shooting on 228.74 at age 28. How do you like that, huh? No idea. Pop singer-songwriter, much session work in the 1960s, but his only hit, Montego Bay, reached number eight, October 1970. Bobby Bloom. Not Bobby Bland, Bobby Bloom, okay? This guy probably heard Joe Zagaki last week and was thinking more like Bland, you know what I'm saying? Bland, like Joe Zagaki. Tainted Love, Soft Cell, leading with 48 votes. George is very dubious about that. Yeah. Well, I'm just telling you the way it stands I, right I'm now. I'm not I... buying it, and the same goes for Taco. The only reason they're voting for Taco is because of that bit that we uh, play. Otherwise, none of these Maybe people they like Taco Bell. would have remembered it. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky, 27. Mountain, Mississippi Queen, 26. Uh, Steam, Na Na Hey Hey, Kiss Him Goodbye, 22. Paper Lace, The Night Chicago Died, 19. EMF, also 19 for Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's what I just said. Zagra and Evans in the year 25-25 got 18. Blues Image, Ride Captain Ride. That's a great song. 16. Mm -hmm. Question Mark and the Mysterians, 96 Tears. No matter where the hell they're from, they're from Saginaw, Michigan. Believe me. And you want to know how I know that? How do you know that? Because when they used to play that song on the radio in Michigan, they used to say they were from Saginaw, Michigan. Like on CKLW, and et cetera, and so on, and like on Keener 13. Believe me. 15 votes for them, and also for Taco, putting on a Ritz, which George doesn't buy that, and I, I uh, believe it. The Proclaimers, I'm going to be 500 miles. How come that's not in parentheses? Well, it's because Eric doesn't know that song. 13. 
Strawberry Alarm Clock, Incense and Peppermints, 11. John Sebastian, Welcome Back, Cotter Theme, 11. The Monotones, Book of Love, 11. And then from there on, it's uh, single digits. Let's see. How's Indiana? Uh... <laughs> oh, it's still got only three. Indiana wants me, R.D. Taylor. That's a heavy-duty song, man. Alive and kicking tighter and tighter with one human being, nobody but me one. And my baby loves loving with white planes. has got two. Oh, Let's hear it. Oh. We talked that baby all the way up to two, to a pair. Thank God for us. 1252 at 560 QM. If the mob won't let you in, here's another alternative for you. Call our good friends at Fast Train because in just four short months, you can have a big one. Maybe not as big as John Gotti's. A big paycheck. The demand for certified computer professionals is skyrocketing through the roof. So pick up the phone and call the experts at Fast Train and get out of that dead-end job. Quit working for some jackass, okay? We all know what that's like. Call Fast Train today at 866-FAST-TRAIN because summer classes are forming right now. If you call now, you can be certified in that new career before summer's end. Fast Train offers you Microsoft certified instructors, four convenient locations including the new campus in Kendall, job placement assistance, day and evening classes, and for those individuals whose job was affected after 9-11, Fast Train is an operation paycheck training provider too. Call Fast Train today, 866-FAST-TRAIN, or you can check them out on the web too at fasttrain.com. Don't forget, it's really the truth. Fast Train can have you certified and ready for a brand new career in as little as four months. So call them today. There's no obligation. They'll be ecstatic to answer all your questions. Please tell them that Neil told you to call Fast Train. And that number again is 1-866-Boyette. Honey, regrip this putter. Weekdays at 1 on Sports Radio 560 QAM. I don't have a clue. Coming up tonight on Inside the Behind, the true Hollywood celebrity music biography profile story. We take a good, hard, stiff look into stardom. This British band's big hit was either a song about a threesome, a homosexual encounter, or masturbation. Sadly, we may never know the truth about Haircut 100. Oh, I mean, look at the first line of the song. I went off to the right. Haircut 100's manager, Chet Stools, talks about the band's only hit, Love Plus One. It seems pretty clear to me. That's a fella saying, I just gave in to the sensual delights of anal sex. I mean, don't you think? Still others think Love Plus One refers to a third sex partner. Like 80's rock groupie Melissa Chuckster, who has been a third sex partner with such luminaries as the guy who sang back up on that one Springsteen tour and the Human League's dog. As a skanky third sex partner, I can't help but think Love Plus One is about being a third sex partner. But was the song really only a reference to being alone and needing to use your hand? Was Rosie Palm the plus one referred to in the title? The band's lead singer, Nick Hayward, may have provided a clue back in 1982 when he said, It's pretty much a song about wanking off. And there you have it. Another sex-slathered story about some loser band from the 80s made to sound like actual journalism by my urgent self-important delivery. Suckers. It's a big, juicy, sopping wet look at show business tonight on Inside the Behind. Can't wait. 1257 at 560. Boy, I'm sure glad somebody faxed and corrected me. You know, I've made this mistake. Thank you, Stevie. I've made a mistake before, too. You know, Felix Papillardi and Felix Cavalieri, I always confuse the two of them. Okay. And you went right along with it, by the way. See how I, easy you were? Because uh, I've already forgotten about Felix Cavalieri and the Young Rascals. Why is that? Well, because I, I remember them, but I keep forgetting about him because his solo career was ever so... Uh,